Again, you're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios a month away from who is in and who is out, but there's still a lot of basketball to be played. We've got to finish the regular seasons, which includes conference tournaments, obviously. For some teams, there's only a couple weeks left. For others, an extra week. We know the NESCAC and some others, like the CUNYAC, will get the tournament started a week earlier, a weekend earlier than most. But it doesn't matter. Time is of the essence, as it were. We are running out of time. Basketball. In Division Three is coming to a close already this season, if you can believe it. So we are on the way as we get um, really in the nitty-gritty at this point. It's because at this point it's who's in, who's out in a month, but teams are jockeying themselves for that conversation. We'll see regional rankings in 10 days' time for the first time. We will see um, SOS numbers legitimately. We, we know our friend uh, Matt um, has them. We have them on our website as of now, but they aren't exact. We, we don't ever know if they're exact until we see them show up on the NCAA side. But now losses become even more kind of, oh, my gosh, and a little bit more... Um, how does this affect Pool C? This is when the Pool C conversation becomes more and more of a topic of conversation. More and more people will be asking. I'm getting more and more emails about how will this affect regional rankings and what are SOS numbers like and all of that jazz. This is the time where now we really start to talk about that. Of course, we will really get into it on Thursday when we have our marathon show, fifth annual marathon show, 12 hours of Division Three basketball from the WBCA and ABC studios. Starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time, we are still working on guests. Uh, the show page is technically up. i got to make a couple tweaks, um, but you can start seeing when we get guests, we'll start filling in the holes there. Speaking of guests, shall we talk about who we've got on the show today? When I started to book this, I thought to myself, well, for the most part, I got I got a lot of new guests, as it were. Um, some people that we haven't had on the show, but that's not necessarily true. We'll have Jeff Gard on the show from UW Platteville. I'm quite confident UW Platteville has been on Hoopsville before, but I don't believe we've ever talked to Jeff Gard about it. James Mooney will be on from Mount St. Vincent. We have not had Mount St. Vincent on the show, but we have talked about Mount St. Vincent a year ago, talking about the fact that both head coaches had been fired. Well, the men's teams in the skyline battle with under a new head coach. We'll talk about what's going on with the Dolphins. Carol LaHaye has been on the show before, so has Randolph Macon. But we will talk to her about win number 600 and how she's got one of the best players in Division Three basketball that nobody is talking about. And no, I'm not exaggerating that. Um, we'll talk to Carol LaHaye coming up on the show. Then Lynn Hearsey will join us from Smith. Now, we have had Lynn on the show. I was mistaken. Forgot we had her on a long time ago, uh, about, about five years ago from Smith. We'll talk to her about uh, her program and what she, ex she sees from her program. Look forward to that conversation um, with her coming up. And then we have our Top 25 Double Take with Ryan Scott. What does he expect um, from things, as it were? Lots to talk about with him. Of course, we have our dubious team, our deep dive team, and our, what is it, our uh, our debate team 
I think we got an interesting one for debate. One that may not come to fruition, but I have a feeling we will at least have a good conversation about, if that makes any sense. So there's how you have it. That's the show we got in front of us. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, Mark Theron tweets out that we should have had the Smith Pioneers on in 2014. Okay. I don't remember why we didn't have them on in 2014, but we had them on in 2013. <laughs> Sometimes we also gamble and think of a program especially late in the season is going to go longer and we go to somebody else so who knows why that's just my theory we'll find out if it's true but we'll have them on the show you can interact with us at d3 hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com and join us on facebook at facebook.com hoopsville where we're live streaming the show as we speak and we hope you will try your best to join in wherever you want to talk to us about basketball um, especially in Division Three, because uh, that is what we focus on. Um, getting the tweets and all that out the door. It's a one-man show here, folks. It's a one-man show. We do our best to get out the news. All right, so let's talk about what's happened in Division Three. A little bit of a quieter week than we've been used to on the men's side. Certainly not nearly as much carnage as we have gotten used to to say the least, doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened as much as we have seen uh, in the last few weeks. Still some interesting results. On the women's side, also some interesting results, and we'll keep an eye on it. Let's start with what we've seen since Thursday's show, because some of these losses we talked about. We talked about York and Whitewater losing earlier this week. We talked about Wesleyan taking a loss earlier this week. Well, Lycoming lost its second game of the season. This time, the Widener 66-65. Honestly, that surprises me to some degree. Uh, Lycoming, the ninth-ranked team in the country. We'll talk more about them with Ryan coming up later in the show. Emory took a loss to number two, Washington. I believe that ended an 11-game winning streak for Emory. Um, Wash U was out pretty big at halftime. Emory made it close, got to within 12, I want to say in the last quarter of the game, uh, before Washington kind of just took back control of the game. They, not that Washington ever lost control of the game, but Emory was certainly making a run. They go on to win 84-67. Hamilton had an interesting weekend. They lost to Bowdoin 72-68 on their first of back-to-back weekends in the state of Maine. Then today, or was it today? Uh, their next game, Colby, it might have been yesterday. Um, they won, but it took overtime, 76-67. So Hamilton uh, maybe showing some rust, or not rust, that's not the right term, but maybe showing some fatigue. 17-2 and on the season. They beat Casanova to begin the week in a non-conference game, but then Bowdoin game is going to be what everyone's going to be talking about in New England. River Falls lost to Oshkosh today, 78-57. River Falls now with five losses as the Wyatt continues to beat each other up. Uh, of course, Oshkosh had a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde week. They beat Stevens Point to hand the Pointers their first conference loss of the seasons and end a, um, I believe it was six-game winning streak. 68-53, and then lost to River Falls. Rochester had a rough weekend. Uh, the 22nd-ranked Yellow Jackets lost to Wash U 77-62 on Friday, then lost today to Chicago 72-65. To quote the update I got about it, if you took the men's uh, – let's see here. Um, 
Rochester and Chicago playing in Rochester on a Sunday will come down to a three-pointer somewhere. Remember two years ago, Boris Smith hit the missing free throw or uh, threw the missing free throw intentionally, threw it off the rim, and then passed it to Mac Montague for the three-pointer. We all remember that. Well, this year, uh, Rochester had cut the deficit to four points with two minutes left, and then Chicago's Colin Barthel hit a three-pointer before the shot clock expired to boost the game back out to seven, and that was all Chicago needed to win that one. So a rough weekend for Rochester. Most likely they'll tumble out of the poll with their fourth and fifth losses. John Carroll lost to Muskegon, 112-103. I don't know where to start or end with that. The fact that they gave up 112 to Muskegon, the fact that Muskegon shut the lights out of the building over 60% from the floor and, and that the John Carroll defense allowed it is not the right term, but that they couldn't stop it. Or the fact they just flat out lost to Muskegon. I don't know. But uh, I had bounced John Carroll out of my top 25 last week by accident. Maybe I was just seeing things ahead of time. Baldwin Wallace also had a rough weekend. Lost to Heidelberg, as we mentioned on on Thursday show. But then lost to Marietta, 65-52, in a game that Baldwin Wallace would have taken a stranglehold on the conference had they won. Marietta, in the meantime, beat Otterbein and Baldwin Wallace. Will most likely remain in the top 25, but... We'll see. New Jersey City, well, they had bookended the week with TCNJ. They lost on Monday to TCNJ on Thursday. We talked about why that frustrates me. They at least came back and beat TCNJ, but by a point at home. I'm not. I'm losing a little confidence in New Jersey City's capabilities. Again, if you're a top 25 team, at some point you need to put your foot down on your conference, and right now I don't think that's what the Gothic Knights are doing. Nebraska Wesleyan took their third loss, 102-97 overtime to Simpson. Wheaton had a rough week. They lost to Augustana by two. Okay, not the end of the world, but then lost to Milliken, 94-75. Wheaton has been kind of this darling of the CCIW, making up for an early weird start to the season, and people were taking notes saying maybe they're one of the better teams in the conference. Well, now they're 13-6 and on a, in the two-game slide this week. So that's the men's side. Oh, we should... That's just on teams that lost. Uh, we meant, Oh, I forgot Augustana. How did I forget Augustana? Augustana lost to Carthage, 81-78. So Augustana goes and beats Wheaton and then loses to Carthage. Augustana's fifth. Honestly, I don't know why. I'll admit I've been ranking Augustana pretty high until a couple of weeks ago. I brought him down to 10th. Uh, now I've got uh, this past poll. I had him. Where did I have them? 15th. After that loss to Carthage, I'll drop them even further. Augustana just struggling right now, and I, I, I can't put my finger on exactly why. So we'll talk more about that with Ryan. On the women's side, uh, Hope and Hope Trine, Bowden, Amherst, two huge top four games in the or top 10, top 11 games in the country, involving two top four teams losing, and they both took place in a span of four minutes, at least the results. Uh, trying defeated number number 11, trying defeated number three, Hope, handing them their first loss of the season, 58-55. And then Bowden got handed its first loss of the season by Amherst, 49-45. I know individuals who are thinking about voting for Bowden number one and may still be doing it because they basically played Amherst game and nearly defeated the uh, Mammoths. But now the only two undefeated teams in Division Three women's basketball are Amherst and Wartburg. Everybody else with at least one loss. Rochester took its second loss of the season, lost to Chicago 
74-59. A little bit of a surprising outcome in that one. Um, my note from the Sports Information Director at Rochester said Chicago played very well. They swarm on defense. They attacked the basket. Uh, he believes they had 14 driving layups um, in the game against Rochester. I uh, said Obi's a terrific player. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 6 steals. Rochester didn't play well, shooting 32%, their lowest of the year. Um, rattle in, rattle out stuff, good portion of it on three-pointers. So Rochester just had an off game today, and Chicago took advantage of it. Ohio Northern beat Capital on Saturday. Uh, good win for Ohio Northern, to be sure. And then the other loss was all the way down at number 23. Trinity lost to Austin, 79-70. That doesn't shock me, especially on the road at Austin. I like Austin. I've liked Austin most of the season, despite some of their outcomes. So it doesn't blow me away that Trinity may have struggled at Austin. Of course, they had to go to Centenary earlier in the week, so that's one of those weird travel weeks for Trinity. In the receiving votes category, River Falls had a just a lousy week. Lost to Eau Claire and Oshkosh. Granted, Oshkosh ranked. But both River Falls teams losing three out of four games here on the week. So a little bit of a weird slash wacky week for teams. And uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on what that all means in the long run. Again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com. Slash Hoopsil. Uh, I will admit a lot uh, kind of to try and read the tea leaves about right now. Um, I got a chance to see uh, Franklin Marshall in person finally this season. They're a good team. There are a lot of good teams out there, to be honest. Uh, Federici, I, uh, he's playing better. He's got one of the quickest triggers in the game. Um, don't know how to describe it better than that, but Man, he shoots quick. I don't think it gets that high. I think he ends up shooting it pretty much at his hip. <laughs> it goes in. His first shot of the game against McDaniels from about 30 feet with a guy near him. Guy was probably about a foot from him. Buried a 30-footer. And, and, and it was all net. He then went 0 for 3 from beyond the arc before he hit his next one. Uh, he didn't have the greatest of games. His team didn't have the greatest of games, but they got past McDaniel. They were trailing by 12 late in the first half and 10 at halftime and then beat McDaniel 35-16 in the second half. McDaniel just stopped doing what they were, had been doing earlier. Um, I, 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 nothing to report on FNM except that they're good. Should they make the tournament, they could definitely be a tricky team. Federici is I think is it 12 points or 21 points away um, from breaking the the school record for scoring, and he's probably going to break 2,000 here this year. There's a couple guys going to break 2,000 here this year. We already had the Husson player break 2,000. There's probably three more who'll break 2,000 this year. You know, FNM can make the tournament. I don't know about regionally, right? I mean, if they win an automatic qualifier, they could certainly do it. Swarthmore is not blowing me away right now. They're they're frustrating me to be blunt. Um, they just don't seem to be able to put teams away as successfully as they have in the past. I get that conference play has been tough. But they uh, they get did dispatched Gettysburg and they dispatched Washington College this week. But they got Muhlenberg and, and McDaniel or Sinus, Hopkins, Haverford, and FNM coming up. Um, no, I'm not going to be surprised if Swarthmore loses at least one, if not two more games. Johns Hopkins could make it a, a nightmare down at, at, at Hopkins and FNM. Granted, it's at Swarthmore. But FNM could make some things interesting. So we'll, we'll see how this all plays out 
in the Centennial Conference. The Wyack men's and women's race continues to just be batty um, is the best way I can describe it. Batty. <laughs> just uh, Let's see if I can. I want to double check the standings before I go too far. On the men's side of things, Stevens Point's got a one-game lead at 7-1 and one in conference over Platteville at 6-2. and two. Oshkosh and Whitewater are five and three, and River Falls now four and four with Lacrosse at three and five. All those teams above five hundred in regular or in overall records. Eau Claire at nine and ten, and Stout at seven and twelve are the only two not with above five hundred records. Platteville's got the best overall record at sixteen and three. The Wyack is beating each other up so much. I do worry that they're going to eliminate some teams. But right now, I could see three teams making the tournament. Let's remove Stevens Point just because of six losses, and if they're in this conversation, that means they've suffered a seventh or an eighth loss. So I'm going to remove Stevens Point just on the, on the, um, on the what if scenario. So that leaves us Platteville, Oshkosh, and Whitewater, and I could easily see those three making the tournament right now if they don't take too many more losses. But if more losses rack up, this comes down to a two-horse race in the WAC. And the sad part is, I think the WAC's got some darn good teams. Now I downgraded a couple of them in my top 25 because I was just frustrated because I couldn't, A, understand why Stevens Point was beating everybody when I've seen Stevens Point, and I don't think they're world beaters. So that either means I've overrated the whole rest of that conference or I've underrated Stevens Point. Either is plausible. Maybe both are plausible to some degree. Um, we'll keep watching that. On the women's side, the uh, it's a two-horse race at the top now. Oshkosh and Whitewater are both 6-2. and two. But River Falls, River Falls, Eau Claire, and Lacrosse are all 5-3. and three. All of them above 500 records. I think Lacrosse needs to go win out, and uh, and I would argue Eau Claire is going to probably have to win out. But Oshkosh, Whitewater, and River Falls are in certainly okay shape right now. The River Falls may need to win out as well. So, Wyack's one of those crazy races in Division Three this year, and it's certainly going to be worth watching on both the men's and women's side. A reminder: here on Sunday evenings, we talk primarily Northeast Atlantic, South, and Central regions, and that's what we will do tonight. Again, our guests will be Wisconsin Platteville's Jeff Gard on the men's basketball side. We'll talk to James Mooney from Mount St. Vincent in the Skyline Conference. Randolph Macon's Carol Hay will join us from the ODAC, and Lynn Hearsey will join us from Smith. I'm now looking at this and, and just double-check. Yeah, we've got it all correct there. So Platteville from the Central, Mount St. Vincent from the Atlantic, Randolph-Macon from the South, and and Smith from the Northeast. So that's how the, the show shake out today. Uh, Ira, I'm not crying. I just have contacts in, and I am under the weather. So my eyes are just acting up. Um, we'll see if I can get through the show. <laughs> to be blunt, I am not feeling all that great. Uh, what do you feel about the Wyack? Oh, I just have, didn't saw this, Ryan. Uh, and and as it looks, would it be possible to get three or four teams if things hold up the same now? Ryan, I don't think they can hold up the same. That's the thing. I think Max the Wyack can get three teams in, but it can't hold the way it is right now. They can't keep beating each other up. At some point, the top's going to have to start pulling away a little bit, I think, for there to be any security whatsoever. Um, James Farrell says, I love your show. Well, thank you, James. I appreciate that. So Chicago's on a 14-game winning streak and actually beat Wartburg last night in the tourney. I was not an off game by Rochester. It was not an off game by Rochester. Okay, well, James, I'm taking the word from those at Rochester who said it was an off game for Rochester. Um, I know Chicago beat Wartburg last year in the tourney, but this is that was last year and this is this year. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Chicago. I'm taking a write-up I got from someone I pretty much trust in Rochester 
who, by the way, if you read that, said hats off to Chicago. Chicago women played very well. They swarm on defense and they attack the basket. They had 14 driving layups. Obi is a terrific player for them, 22 points, 11 rebounds, 6 steals. They go on to say that Rochester did not play well, shot the lowest of the season at 31.7%, and had a lot of shots rattle in and rattle out. So that's not saying Chicago's not good, and it is saying Rochester had an off day. Now let's, I think those are factual and okay to say. ASC options for the South. Uh, depends on if it's men or women, to be honest with you. Uh, not good. But I don't know the regional rankings. I think the regional rankings are going to dictate a lot of things. Um, I haven't seen SOS numbers, Adam, to be honest with you. Um, I'll try and look them up. Stick around with the show. I'll try and look up the uh, ASC's um, numbers and see how some of those teams look at this point. Understanding... That in a week's time, the the right next week, the, the regional committees and national committee will do a mocks. We'll do mock rankings that we won't see. So they'll use SOS numbers we're looking at now. So those will be at least decent. Then a week from tonight will be the end of when uh, the next SOS numbers, as it were, will be used for regional rankings. So we're starting to get a good idea what SOSs will look like. But they'll still change quite a bit in the next few weeks. So let me look at them. Uh, but I want to get to my next guest, too. I don't want to leave them hanging too much here. But... Adam, bear with me. Let me look at some SOS numbers and give you an idea of how I think the ASC may shape up in uh, both men and women there in the South region. I'm a little nervous. Uh, I know there's been a lot of teams beating each other up, as it were, but I want to take a look uh, nonetheless. Anyway. All right, so we're going to take a break. Um, Yeah, we'll take a break. When we come back, Platteville's men's coach will join us. You're watching Hoops Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after that. And by the way, thanks for all the interactions, folks. Keep it up. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
From eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, Ira joking about me maybe being under the weather. Uh, he and Pat were all sick all the time in Vegas. Uh, I don't have the same thing you guys had, trust me. Uh, <laughs> not in the slightest. Um, I'm just under the weather for some reason, some crazy, wacky reason. All right, so let's talk about this WIAC. We were talking a little bit before uh, the break as well. Lisa, thanks for watching the show. Um, says, go Marymount women's basketball. You're right, having a good season down there. We had them on the show recently. Hope you got a chance to tune into that. All right, so back to the WIAC. We talked about the craziness on the men's side. and Just what to expect of that? I don't know. It's not playing out how we all expected it. However, one team that is certainly playing well after being 8-17 and 17 last season are the pioneers of Platteville. 16-3, and three, they're at 6-2 and two in the conference right now. They were 1-13 in the conference last year. That's just how upside down the conference is and how deep it has gotten this year. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Platteville. It is Jeff, Gar- Jeff Gard. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, you have two losses, one near the beginning of the year to Carrollton uh, when you were playing them out at Colorado Springs on Thanksgiving weekend. should say three losses. You then have a loss to River Falls and a loss to Stevens Point in the last six games. Your season, let's start there, is a massive turnaround from last season. Well, I think it's a... Um it's a big product of the guys buying in. You know, we've got a lot of returners coming back from last year's team. Um, and last year, as early in the conference play, we got some some key injuries. Uh, we lost Show Walter to a season-ending knee injury. Um, lose our starting point guard for a uh, majority of the, um, the beginning of the conference play as well. So it just kind of rolled on us a little bit there. And, you know, it was one of those things we just had to kind of pick ourselves back up. But on the flip side of it, the guy's got a lot of great experience as well, you know, and kind of learning how to handle adversity and, and looking into the next year and what they had to do to get bigger and stronger and flip the page. And to some degree, you also got a chance to test out the depth. Some of these players probably get more time last year than they would have normally due to those injuries. They got the chance to practice, and that, that by default makes your team a little bit deeper this year. Well, it does, you know, and I think it's obviously when you they always say when you get a, a freshman becomes a sophomore, a sophomore becomes a junior and a junior senior. Those are probably the best things that can happen to your program. And, and, you know, we've been fortunate. We've got some guys that obviously have bought into the whole process of the off season and, you know, buying into the weight room as well. And then we were fortunate enough. We had um, a good recruiting class as well. It's come in and, you know, three or four guys that have really kind of made an impact within our program that, you know, in the previous years, we've been relying heavily on those freshmen. Now, obviously having so many upperclassmen, you know, the freshmen can kind of come in and, and help out where needed. And I think whether it be in practice or obviously in some gameplay as well, you know, it, it has given us that added depth and then just made practice a little bit more challenging as well. You have four seniors on the squad, one of them in your top five in terms of statistics scoring. So you're showing a little bit of that underclassman contribution in depth to some degree. You're led by a junior in Robert Duax at 15 points a game. 
uh, Carter Volker, a sophomore, along with Matt, and I believe it's Ostrich. I could be wrong. Oh, strike. Yeah, I should have yep. known that. Nah, I apologize, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Matt. I should have known that. Ten and a half points for each. Uh, Quentin Shields, a freshman, though, eight and a half points a game. That's kind of where you were talking about those that, that recruiting class comes in, making a big difference. And all of those guys I've mentioned averaging two assists or more a game. There's a lot going on with this unit. Well, it is. And, you know, I think that's the great thing about this group is that obviously they went through the, the trials and the, the ups and downs of last year's season. They all stayed positive with each other. They stuck together. Um, and I give credit to the upperclassmen about really bringing in the freshman class and kind of bringing them into the family, as we say. You know, and it's a very unselfish group, you know, from the offensive side of things as well as the defensively. They're they're there for each other. They're picking each other up on the defensive end. They're protecting each other. But on the offensive end, they just they share the ball. They don't really care who's getting the, the credit. It's just as long as we're coming out in the left-hand column. Interesting. By the way, someone asked if they still run the hill. You bet we do. <laughs> we can't go away from that. What's Probably the hill? Got, Tell us outsiders what the hill is. Well, you know, Coach Ryan started it back in the 80s when he came in. Um, you know, just part of a conditioning process as well as a mental trainer, um, you know, for our players. We've got a hill just on the edge of campus down by our residence halls and baseball fields. Uh, it's about 150 yards long. Um, being an engineering school, uh, Coach Ryan obviously had a, a class came out and surveyed it. They said it's equivalent to about seven flights of stairs. Um, so, you know, it's, it's great at this time of year in Wisconsin with sledding. Um, oh, yeah. That, that's where everybody gets excited about it. Although right now we've got some unusual weather here in Wisconsin where we don't have much snow on the ground. Mm. So, but nobody's complaining up here. <laughs> um, but, no, it's been something that, you know, we, it's a, kind of a rite of passage, I guess we say, within our program of, you know, we want to try to find out who's really bought in. Um, you know, it's part of our conditioning program um, that our strength coach works with our guys on. And it's actually it's such a it's such a history piece of this program that obviously when Coach Ryan took over at Wisconsin, there was a book written about it um, that just kind of talks about, you know, those steps of, of the hill and where it goes to. And then even to the point where when the Chicago Bears were in Platteville for their training camp, um, one of the things Walter Payton wanted to do is, somewhere for him to go do some personal training and he oh. got out on the hill he heard about it from coach ryan and oh it's coach that ryan hill yep so it kind of plugged all the way through and oh. walter being walter he was um he didn't just run it the first time actually the first time he just ran it the second time he ran it he was dragging tires up the hill so, i know the hill you're talking about now that's crazy yep, yep. oh yeah that's so. an insane hill yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, I had a hill in high school. My soccer coach uh, and and teacher wanted loved to running us on. It didn't compare to what you described. Um, no, this is. I think if you ask any alumni in Flatville, it's a lot worse than what what we actually say it is. <laughs> you know, some guys get nightmares. Some guys still get sick to their stomach when we talk about it. Um, even if they've been, I mean, we just had alumni weekend. Obviously, just yesterday and. You know, it was great hearing the guys, hey, you still running the hill, coach? I said, yes, we are. We'll never get rid of it. Um, if I'm the players, so. I'm trying to invest in snow machines to cover <laughs> that thing in snow so you don't get any bright ideas. Well, Dave, we had two year, uh, about three years ago, actually, um, we were very fortunate. I want to say this as well, but we had a tornado rip yes, through Yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember. Um, and, it, and it actually ripped through a piece down in the valley where the hill is at. Um, 
it did rip up the bottom of the hill. Um, you know, all of our players at that time, they were, they were thinking, hey, we're going to get out of this. You know, I think what we ended up doing is taking out about 15 to 20 yards of it. So our maintenance crew on campus is phenomenal. They patched it up. Oh. You know, we got it back. It's, uh, no, if, anything think... now, it's, if anything now, it's probably harder because we don't have the, the trees blocking the side of it. So, oh, true. you know, Exposed. it's a little bit windier. Yeah. I was going to say your, your maintenance crew might be more sick and sadistic, really, is what it is. They took pride <laughs> in getting that hill back together to see some suffering. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's working, exactly. it's working out to a 16-3 and three season. And uh, more importantly, this conference is um, crazy. Uh, it's, it's at least from an outsider's point of view, I know it can be fun and I know it's exciting on any given night. It's got an opportunity, but, uh, I saw Stevens point in Vegas, never expected them to be a game up in the conference, let alone two as they were last week at one point. Uh, some of the teams that everyone thought were going to have good seasons, Oshkosh, Whitewater, River Falls, they're sitting behind you now. You've got some good wins against a lot of these teams. Your only two losses, as we mentioned, were to River Falls and Stevens Point so far, and, and now we've taken the second turn. From the insider's point of view, what do we make of this conference race? Well, I, from first off, from a coach's side of things, obviously it's you're always excited because you never have to get your players up for a game. Mm-hmm. They just know. They see what the challenges are, and you know from top to bottom, yeah. um, it's a challenge. But it does not surprise me one bit with Stevens Point. You know, they had a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. Um, what they had to tear through, and obviously it prepared them for conference play. Um, and it's it's a typical Stevens Point team in the fact that they just don't beat themselves. You know, they're they're very efficient on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, and the rest of it, I, like I said, it's just you know it's a it's a boxing match. You know, we're just you know, teams just getting in there and throwing their best punches. And you know, it's one of the things that I think we've always said this, and the fact that whoever probably has the most depth and, and also can most importantly stay healthy um, is going to be the one that's going to potentially see themselves sitting towards the top and, and maybe surviving this crazy league as it is. And, and that's kind of the way it's been. Um, you know, and the unfortunate thing with us right now is that, you know, a few years ago when we lost Superior, um, that obviously dropped it down. So we moved all of our games to yeah. um, after the first of the year, and we really don't have a buy built in. Right. Um, so it's it is pretty much like a 16 game um, gauntlet that you're hitting every Wednesday and Saturday night, especially when you get into conference tournament as well. In years past, though, we're used to either Whitewater, Stevens Point, both of them, or maybe one other kind of being at the top, and then there's everybody else battling it out. Maybe maybe knocking the heads off the tops once or twice, three times a season. I don't remember it being one through seven or one through six really was seven and eight playing spoiler right now, and and they're still good teams. I saw a Stout. It's a, it's a pretty good team. Um, I'm not used to it this deep with the battle at the top. This feels a little different this year. Well, I think you also you look at the rosters as well. It's it's an older league. Yeah, true. Um, a lot of lot of juniors and seniors. You know, um, Eau Claire and last year they were one of the top three four teams in the league as well. Stout was right up there as well. And you know, I think the one thing you look at with obviously with Eau Claire right now and Stout, they had two huge either injuries or losses to the program. Um, and Stout losing Keith and and uh, Eau Claire losing the big uh, Wicks, the big kid from last year as well. And otherwise, obviously they're they're right up there as well. Yeah, um, it would probably make this league even harder. Um, but again, it's one of those things. I think it's an upperclassman league this year, kind of mm-hmm. like it was, you know, back in the back in the '90s when it, there were so many top-heavy teams. It was just a dominated league by juniors and seniors and. 
you know, that's that again, I think is why, you know, you're seeing so much parody amongst the entire league. Uh, when you look at what you've got ahead of you, you've got six games ahead to finish off the regular season, three at home, three on the road. Of course, it starts with the tougher end. Three of the of the next four are going to be on the road at Oshkosh, at Lacrosse, then home against Point, and then on the road at Eau Claire. Is there a certain message to the team? Is there a certain mentality you guys are going to take with with what is obviously the harder part of this finale six coming up? Oh, we lost coach. We'll see if maybe he calls us right back or we'll call him. I just looked over at the phone line and it's it's not there. Oh, our phone line is oh, interesting. One of our lines is not working properly. Oh, let's see. Coach, is that you? We're taking you live? Yes, Dave. Oh, interesting. Got dropped there. I apologize. I'm not sure if it was your end or our end, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, That's all right. I was asking, um, the next six are three on the road, three at home, but the next four are those three on the road. So you, you have the harder part first, finishing with the games at home to finish. Oshkosh and lacrosse will be the first two on the road, home against Point, then on the road against Eau Claire. Is there a message to the team? Is there a mentality you're all taking to try and tackle this? This this year's group, I mean, we just it's kind of a focus on us mentality. Um, you know, don't worry about you know down the road the big pictures or you know what's coming. It just hey, focus on today and, and that process. And it was actually it was something that we I talked to the reporter the other day about it as well. Something that we we implemented um, this fall as part of actually one of our um, within our season practice wise, we brought in the Marine Corps um, and had a kind of a mini boot camp. Um, at the beginning of the season, and that was kind of that message that the the Marines brought to us is, you know, it's not about you, it's about us, you know, and working together as a unit and staying focused on us. Um, You know, and I think we've taken that message into every day, every practice about, hey, we got to get better today. Um, And then even when it comes into the game day, you know, focus on us, control what we can control um, offensively and defensively. And you know, credit to our players uh, and the coaching staff as well is that everybody has really bought into that. Well, it's an amazing turnaround, Coach. And obviously, injuries had a lot to do with it, and coming back with a, in a sense, a bigger unit uh, because you had these guys coming back from injury and, and a little bit more depth and experience has certainly made a difference. Uh, how do you keep the guys from maybe getting though? Um, I don't want to say too big in the head. That's a, a horrible way of saying it, but at least not get too excited by what the first 19 games have been like? Oh, and, you know, I think if you ask them, just go into film sessions with us and, you know, we'll always find out what we need to get better at. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's the great thing with this group is that they're not settling. And I think also, you know, they looked at, you know, we don't talk a lot about last year. Um, you know, I think that's the big thing, but in the back of the upperclassmen's minds, it, it is still, you know, what happened to us last year about hey, we got to continue to to buy into that process and, and taking that next step forward. And just, again, how much better can we get today than we were yesterday? And I think that that message, again, you know, when you got dealing with 18 through 22-year-olds, yeah, you know, you can never really control their mind. But, again, if you can kind of keep them in the moment, um, I think that's that's the great thing. And we do have we got great upperclassmen. Our juniors and our seniors are great leaders, um, you know. And I think that's the the pleasing thing as a coach is we we are keeping everybody kind of in check here, and you know, and they know that you know you can't 
you can't overlook somebody. You can't lose focus because it is a gauntlet. I mean, we've got a heck of a you know week just ahead of us here with going to Oshkosh and then obviously going to across um, two huge, huge games for us to yeah. decide. You know, where do we really sit at in this whole thing? Well, it's a great, great story, to say the least, and it's a fascinating race. We're enjoying every moment of it <laughs> from the outside, even if it's giving you maybe a little bit extra uh, angst, it, though at the same time, as you said, at least you can get your players up for it. Appreciate you taking the time. Danny Campbell uh, says thank you for taking his question. Um, hey, all right, tell Danny thank you. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for taking the time. And as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Well, no, I, you know, Dave, we obviously appreciate what you're doing for Division Three basketball and, and putting it out there. And obviously, you know, a lot of fans out there as well, understanding how great Division Three basketball is and the, even the student athletes, is that it, especially this league in particular, it's phenomenal. Um, obviously, we've got some great basketball in the state of Wisconsin from Division One, Two, II, and Three. Um, but again, it, it's, it's a great time of year. We're excited and obviously looking forward to, uh, to what's coming ahead of us. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. Good luck. Safe travels on the road, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. All right. Thanks, Dave. No problem. Jeff Gard joining us from Platteville. Again, the team 16-3 and overall, six games left, two on the road against Oshkosh and Lacrosse. Then they're home against Stevens Point, back on the road against Eau Claire, and then they'll finish at home against Whitewater and River Falls. As we know, every single game's going to matter in the WIAC this season. It is anything for the, but for the lighthearted. But if you want to watch some games that are going to be fun, uh, tune into the WIAC throughout the rest of the way. Appreciate t- uh, Coach taking the time to join us. Appreciate all of you interacting with our guests as well. Certainly fun to have that, and we appreciate you taking the time. Um, going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk. head up to uh, upstate New York. Mount St. Vincent is having an incredible season compared, com- considering what they went through last year. We'll talk to their first-year head coach about what is going on with the Dolphins. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops will after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here from the NABC WBCA studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Don't forget, interact with us or our guests at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on the Twitter account. On Facebook Live on the simulcast, there's an ability to uh, interact, where some of you have already done that. That's Hoopsville.com, or Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Apologize. Uh, those of you on YouTube and you happen to go to the YouTube page, you can interact with us there as well. And you can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. But a year ago, maybe a little over, we were talking about Mount St. Joe, uh, Mount St. Vincent, sorry, Mount St. Vincent men's basketball and women's basketball, as both coaches had been fired. A lot of reasons for why that happened. Um, well, actually, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a year ago, our last show on Thursday, January 25th, is when it happened. Um, a lot of reasons for why it happened. Not worth going into more internal stuff than anything. But Mount St. Vincent needed a new head coach, and they turned to an alum in James Mooney, class of 06, to see if he could do something with the program. They started the season losing three of their first four and four of their first seven and five of their first nine. Okay, I don't think that would have shocked anybody. But since then, they've been on a tear, especially in, not in conference play, and have only lost one since. 13-6 and six overall, 11-3 and three in conference, which puts them a game up in conference, two wins ahead of Farmingdale State. Say what? Same Dolphin squad we were talking about last year? Yeah, same Dolphin squad we were talking about last year. So what changed? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the head coach and alum of Mount St. Vincent, it is James Mooney. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where to go with this. What what happened? Was this a unit that was always there and always had the potential and maybe was just missing out and the right circumstances have come along? Or what have you changed that has seemingly woken up this Dolphins program? So three years ago, I was on the staff um, as an assistant under a previous coach, yep. and we had 13 freshmen on that team that went 18 and 9 overall. Yeah. Um, I believe 13 and 5 in the conference, and we finished third, which was the best the school had done in, I think, at least 20 plus years. Sure. Uh, and, and certainly during my four years at school, I had a losing record every, every year. <laughs> and um, when I took over the program this year, of the 13, we returned eight. Um, so right now we have eight seniors, uh, three of which were not part of the program either last year or the year before. Interesting. So it was, you know, there was already familiarity with the team. Um, they knew me. I knew them for the most part. Then we had some underclassmen that, you know, other than me being alumni, really didn't know much about me. Yeah. Um, so with that, there was a comfort level, but there was still that, all right, now you're the head coach. You know, now what are you going to do with this? You know, how are you going to change this around? And, you know, with eight seniors, it could be an uphill climb. You know, guys have their own agendas. Guys are used to their own ways. Bad habits, good habits, whatever habits they have. And right away, my goal was to just change the culture. Okay. You know, make it a more positive environment. Make it more family-oriented. 
and really coach the person, not the player. And quickly, you know, I think with, you know, I had a little bit of court cred being, you know, all-time leading scorer there or whatever. You know, guys understood that I played at a high level, that I, what I said made sense. And then as we practiced and we drilled, it all started to come together, and they saw, they saw some light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. And um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been fun. I mean, I, mean we didn't, I wouldn't necessarily say we had a rough start. We had a tough schedule. You know, we played NYU in the NYU tournament, played Trinity, which is always an NCAA team. Yep. And we competed against them. And we did really well. And we saw, like, hey, man, listen, you know, when we reach conference play, we should be in very good shape. And that's what a lot of teams have told us. You know, we scrimmaged Western Connecticut. We scrimmaged Manhattan. They all said, you know, when you play in the skyline, you guys are going to do very well. And here we are. Oh, you certainly are here. You're leading the conference, as we said. Uh, two games in the win column, even in the loss column so far. And that's, it's an incredible. You pointed out 18 and 9 back in 14 and 15, but those years are bracketed by eight, not, seven, eight, or nine win seasons. Um, it's, it, it has been for the last seven, six, seven seasons more synonymous to see the team with single digit wins than it has been with double digit wins. So obviously, yep. as you said, senior class has a big majority of it. But as I pointed out at the beginning, you guys also started this season on a rough stretch. Lost to NYU, you lost to Trinity, as you mentioned, St. Joseph's of Brooklyn in conference play, Merchant Marine in triple overtime, Lehman uh, in a game as well, and that one unfortunately wasn't that close. And I think anybody would be forgiven to say, okay, you've got a lot of senior class and a lot of leadership, and certainly you're fighting to the end, but maybe this season isn't going to come together. Something had to have switched to get to where you guys are now because you're still playing some similar teams maybe not in name, but certainly in style and, and in quality. But now it's wins coming your way, except that obviously Brooklyn has your number. But sure. um, what what has changed in season that has seen the flip-flop of the season, as it were? Well, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I, I told the guys, I said, you know, the best way I could equate what we're going to go through is like an abstract artist where you see them there, they're, put, they're throwing all these colors and they're drawing and you have no idea what it looks like until it gets towards the end of the painting where it all now comes together. It looks like mumbo-jumbo colors are just randomly thrown on the page or the paper and it, you have no idea what the artist is drawing. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, it's a forest. It's a, it's a car. It's a person. It's whatever. And we started to see that, you know, especially against NYU. We lost by three with a shot at the buzzer. The tie. So we were right there. Um, St. Joe's, Brooklyn, we were up 20 at halftime and we blew that. That was our first conference game. That was our first home game. And I said, guys, you have to learn how to win. Mm. And these are great losses. And we stayed positive. And I said, we, need, we needed these things to happen. We needed these games to happen because you haven't been in really in this position before. And it's not easy to build a lead sustain a lead and keep it you know we saw plenty of stretches where there were games where we would build a lead we'd lose the lead and then build it up again and during the huddles during timeouts we just say guys it's right there and just keep positive re- positively reinforcing them that what we're trying to do is happening and it just started to happen we beat mount st mary at home at the time I believe we were, there was a three-way tie for second place. It was between, um, I believe, us, Mount Samaria, and Farmingdale, a perch at, at the time. 
and we were like, we need this, and mm-hmm. we got it. And that was a big moral victory for us, um, and we won by 15 or so. And then from there, we were like, okay, we're there now. Now we just got to build on it. And, you know, during that eight-game winning streak that, we, that we've just had, we've had one to two starters missing. So we're not even necessarily at full strength when we were really playing well. Hmm. So, you know, now that we have some of our guys back, it's, you know, I think we're in a very, very good position. Uh, I'm not going to even try and butcher the uh, name of the man who's leading your team, so I'll let you do it for Ahmad. me. Ahmad. <laughs> I got Ahmad. Ahmad Alkalady. Thank you. Uh, the Ahmad part was easy. It was the yeah. last name. Alkalady. I can do that. Uh, 14 and a half points a game. Is it Rakis? Rakis, yep. Uh, Rakis Harris, 11 and a half points a game. Uh, Jose Maestre? Maestre? Maestre, yep. I'm Wow, I should go buy the lottery ticket. Uh, 10 points a game, and Andrew Carell at 10 points a game. He's a shade under. Shows a sh- uh, Matthew Sowell uh, a shade Sowell, under. Yep. And Jason Barrera at 8.5. So you got a lot of guys with double-figure potential or at double figures. Um, we should mention a double-double for Ahmad um, mm-hmm. with 10.2 rebounds and near double-double for Carell at 8.2 rebounds. So you've got a lot of guys contributing. Do, have, do they sense how special this season could potentially be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when when I first got the job, I basically I had my sister Photoshop uh, the championship banners that we have hanging uh, in the rafters. And we've only, hmm. we only have two Skyline uh, championships in the history of the school, 95-96 and then 96-97. And I had my sister put 2017-2018 below it. Hmm. And I gave it to them and I said, if you guys don't really believe this, you know, then don't even bother playing this year. Interesting. And, you know, again, it was one of those things where maybe you, maybe you have to see it to really believe it. And, again, I'm a big visual learner, and I hang things in the locker room all the time, quotes or articles or stats or whatever the case may be. They always give them as much knowledge and, and motivation as possible. And... The guys truly believed, like, it could happen. I mean, as freshmen, they had a successful year. They had a successful stint. And now as seniors, there's no excuse. The past is the past. You know, you are in control of your emotions, your energy, your enthusiasm, and no one can take that away from you if you allow it. And that's what we always talk about. Being in control of the moment, being in control of, of each drill, each practice, each game, and celebrate the small victories. You know, we go deep in our bench, too. You see, like, yeah. we, we have four or five double-digit scores. You know, and that was part of the, the buy-in process, too, is your bench is, is key. You know, you you got to have guys on the bench that are willing to support their teammates. Because why? Because they could actually get in the game, potentially. And we have to reward those guys to keep them hungry. Otherwise, you, you see it on some teams, they never go to their bench. And then there's, you know dysfunction and, and guys just phase out and the team just crumbles. And I, I've been on unsuccessful teams to know and see that. So I have no problem going to our bench. We're, we're, we're great at it. We're, we have tremendous depth and I, you know, I don't just give them playing time. They earn it. You know, we fight every day. Everything's a dr- Every drill we do is competitive. Every drill you have a loser at the end that has to run. And we just, we just go from there. We just keep building. 
Uh, quickly, one more thought on your team. By the way, 10 deep on average, maybe 11 if necessary. Um, and, and the conference race. You've, the interesting thing is the Brooklyn games that you've lost aren't necessarily going to haunt you. I mean, they could. But Brooklyn's yep. you know, four games back. They're 7-7 seven and seven in conference play, 8-11 and 11 overall. They just happen to have your number. The only way they're going to yep. come into play is if they go on a miraculous run and you guys tank and or you get into some conference tiebreaker. But you've got this two-win lead on Farmingdale State. SUNY purchase at 8-5 and five along with Mount St. Mary, and, and then you've got St. Joseph Brooklyn. This conference is obviously winnable. Um, how do you what, – what is it going to take for you guys to be able to, though – complete the deal as it were we have to stay focused i mean we just we have to take it one game at a time and i get and i sense that the guys are getting a little antsy you know it's almost like all right let's, let's just get to the end of the season already and see where we're at and see if we have home court advantage and then you know fast forward to the championship game and win it mm. and it's like guys this is the best part of the season this process <laughs> right here this is what you're going to remember the most and this is what's going to maybe haunt you the most or these days, you know, where are you overlooking, you know, what we're trying to do or are you locked in of what's in front of you right now? Mm -hmm. And we constantly are talking to them about that. And we have in our locker room a picture of each team that we play and we just put a check mark if we win or an X if we lose and we just take a one game at a time. That's literally what, what I put at the very beginning of all the pictures in, in sequential order mm. is one game at a time. And that's all we have to do. And I believe, you know, if we really stay focused one game at a time, then I think, you know, the pieces will fall where, where they may, you know? And, and, and again, we can only control what we can, we can't control. Uh, we can't control if St. Joe's Brooklyn makes the playoffs or sees us or whatever the case would be, but we could certainly can certainly can't control our destiny right now. We're in the driver's seat. Yeah. Should have asked you this at the beginning, and but we'll leave it at, as the final thought. What drew you back to the program? I can see it in the alumni side, clearly. And I know you had been the assistant coach there at previous time, but you were having a, a pretty decent high school career. Um, the program was in a little bit of disarray. I can understand saying, you know, I want to stay away from that. You know, things are a little bit chaotic. I don't know if that's the right thing to mix into. At the same time, I can see an alum going, no, I want to be the guy who helps my own program. But what, for you, was the actual draw? Unfinished business, to be honest. I mean, okay. I, I had a bitter taste in my mouth um, as a player there. You know, coming from my own prep, we won a city uh, title my senior year. We won my freshman year. And, you know, even grammar school days, you know, we, we were winning the championship and CYO and whatnot. And to not do it at the college level really drove me insane. Mm -hmm. Like, really and truly drove me insane went overseas, played over there for a few years. And then when I came back, you know, I've always been a loyal guy. You know, as soon as I came back, I immediately was the assistant coach at Iona Prep where, again, we won a city and state title and went back to Mount St. Vincent because I had the opportunity to, and I wanted to help change the culture. Um, I really and truly did, and I believed I could do that. And I embraced those challenges. I mean, selfishly, I, I love building something as opposed to trying to maintain something. You know, I want to be the guy that goes in there and they say, wow, James Mooney helped change that program. Not, oh, yeah, the, well, the program was winning already. So how hard was it for him sure. to really do that? Sure. You know, I love those challenges. I mean, when I took over Ryan Neck two years ago, right. it was a program that was 0-18 the year before I got there. And I loved it. 
loved it. Couldn't be happier with the opportunity. And we went 7-12 and with essentially the, the same team the following year. So these are the things where I, I don't shy away from challenges. I've always embraced them. I love being the guy to, to help spark something and be the catalyst. And, and, I, and it's a home for me. You know, I have investment there. You know, as a player, you know, my tuition's certainly there. So I got yeah. you know, I get it back somehow, some way. But I'm 10 minutes away from campus, met my wife there. You know, it's truly a home for me, and I couldn't be happier where I'm at. Um, well, I, I, we're fascinated with how this has turned around. We, um, again, a year ago we were talking about what in the world was going on uh, sure. with the program, and, and we knew games were being canceled, and they were trying to find coaches, and it's nice that they found one who so dedicated to helping this program get back on its feet, and clearly you have done so quickly. We look forward to seeing just how far things go with the program. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I mean, first off, Dave, I, I really appreciate um, the invitation. You know, like I, I, lo- I really appreciate our guys being able to have sort of like national attention right now because, you know, what we're doing really and truly is special um, that I think garners some attention outside of, you know, the Atlantic or the Skyline Conference. But, you know, pay attention to the Dolphins. We're, we're coming. We're, we're going to make some noise again. You know, we're going to take it one game at a time, but but I'm excited for the future, and I appreciate everyone's support. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on. We appreciate it. Good luck, and we'll look forward to talking about the Dolphins down the road. Thank you so much, Dave. Take care. You too. Take care. He Bye-bye. is James Mooney, alum and head coach of Mount St. Vincent. Team is 13-6, 11-3 in conference play. Up ahead is Yeshiva at home. They then travel on the road to St. Joseph's of Long Island, who they beat earlier this season. Then they take Merchant Marine and SUNY Old Westbury on at home and follow up on the road at Purchase and Farmingdale State to wrap things up. We'll keep an eye on what the Dolphins can do. Earlier in the show, I got a question about how uh, the ASC looks um, in the, um, let's call it the regional rankings scenario. Granted, we won't see regional rankings for about a week and a half here. One more week of games before real regional rankings will even be voted on, though they'll do a mock voting. The person I know coming from me is coming from East Texas Baptist. So I'm going to start on the men's side. The the ASC, according to our friend Knight Slappy, um, who does a lot of the the polling, as it were, the regional rankings in Division Three. he's worked hard. We've gotten him in touch with those at the uh, NCAA to uh, try and do his best to get the numbers as to how they mathematically do the SOS. Based on just hard numbers and none of the other um, part of the criteria that's a little bit more subjective, uh, he's got East Texas Baptist as the top ASC school, but there's a bunch of them. He's got East Texas Baptist 6 in the South region, Sol Ross State 7, Laterno 8, Texas Dallas 9. Uh, he's got the SOS for East Texas Baptist, for example, the 516. This is on the men's side. And, on the, and his, the non-conference SOS is at a 512. Uh, and he's got a pool C status at 22. All right, so here's how I read into that a little bit without being able to dive into too much. One, we don't have results versus regionally ranked opponents. That usually becomes an interesting factor. We can't factor that in at all. The SOS number, from my experience, is okay, not great. It's at least above 500, but that number is going to come down as you play more conference games. Uh, So I don't expect the 516 to hold. Uh, though that said, it also might flutter right in there, depending on what East Texas Baptist has left in their schedule. And I, ha- I don't have you know the, the full schedule in front of me right this moment. But the men are in okay shape. Um, 
The question is, do they get that far? Let's say the regional rankings went out now. Maryville Methodist, well, one of those teams is going to still stay at the table. Emory Henry, then Emory, then Randolph-Macon. Well, Emory and Henry and Randolph-Macon, one of those or both will still be at the table. So the question is, can the ASC get to the table? Right now, I think it's it's daunting, but East Texas Baptist, if it were to stop now, would at least be there. But they're on they're right on the bubble. We're only going to have, was it, 20-some-odd selections to the, to the Pool C? And 22 is danger zone, uh, right in that wa- into that bubble area. Um, I don't love the 516, and there's going to be a lot of teams with better non-conference SOSs at 512, then 512. Granted, that is a secondary criteria when the uh, regular SOS is a primary criteria. But East Texas Baptist and the rest of the ASC, uh, I'll be blunt because everyone's going to have if we're if we're talking about being an at-large at this point, it's talking about taking another loss. Uh, ASC is probably a one-bid league on the men's side. On the women's side, I just look for East Texas Baptist because the way we put this together, it's a little hard to try and find everybody. Um, though I'm not sure. We're, well, there may be some others. But East Texas Baptist women are in, in, in worse shape. They're also 16-3, and three, but their SOS right now is 474. Uh, that isn't good. It may come up a little bit closer to 500, but considering the best SOS in the country is 650. I'm sorry, the, the number I gave you was the uh, opponent winning percentage is a, is a seventh, a 473, but their SOS is a 485. Um, that's tough. That's tough sled, and that's 284th SOS in the country. Um, East Texas Baptist is going to need to win out or win the AQ to get in. They're not getting in any other way. They're probably going to be pretty deep in the regional rankings. I've already seen a couple, a handful of South schools as I scroll by. I'm going all the way to the top of our rankings just to find South region schools, and I will name them when I spot them. I've gone through 20 and I haven't found any yet. Um, not that I'm surprised by that to some degree. Uh, I've gone through 40 now and haven't found one yet. Still scan up oh, Virginia Wesleyan. SOS number only is sitting at 50. Granted, they're 8 and 10. So that's not going to be part of it. Emory's 10 and 8, but they got a strong SOS. Um, I'm just trying to find if I can sense any idea of where East Texas Baptist might sit in this entire conversation um, on the women's side or the ASC in general. It just doesn't look good. That being said, the South hasn't been all that strong. A lot of SOS numbers from teams with losing records, that's that's not going to be a bad thing. But Maryville, for example, is 12 and 8 with a 547 though I don't think Maryville would be ranked ahead of East Texas Baptist by any stretch of the imagination right now. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm into the 120 area. Southwestern, yeah, I mean, they're 8 and 11, so their SOS is above them. That's where it gets tough on our system. At least uh, Night Slappy kind of orders them the way he does, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with his order, but he does order them, uh, so it's a little easier to find conferences and stuff. But Texas Tyler is 11 and 7 with a 526, for example. I, I just think the ASC's in trouble. Uh, I think the ASC's got to win out. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be easy for anybody uh, to to get into the NCAA tournament from the ASC this year. Uh, there's a lot of losses happening. That's not helping the conversation, for, to say the least. Um, but we'll get a better sense as we get closer to some uh, regional rankings, especially the first regional rankings when they come out, will at least give us an idea of what may or may not be uh, – you know their situation, but right now the SOS numbers don't look good. The men's are okay, the women's are below 500, not looking great. Both of them could lo- move a little closer to 500 as we play some more games. 
That is to be determined. But if we're still talking about an at-large situation, then we're talking a loss, and that isn't really all that good. Uh, I'm a little nervous uh, for that. Uh, any thoughts on at-large considerations for women in the East? And always, thanks for what you do. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. Um, oh, Adam, by the way, said they have Texas, Dallas, um, Laterno, Tyler left on the schedule. Yeah, that's going to help them. To be honest, that will help them, Adam. Um, but I'm nervous. That SOS is not good. Those SOS numbers really make me nervous. Uh, anyway, uh, at large on the women's side, yeah, you know what? That's hard on the east side. Uh, the same reason. I'm not really sure who the best teams right now are. I'm going to have to dive into that a little bit deeper. Rochester is going to be in the conversation, though. A weekend, you know, a loss to Chicago will both help and hurt. Um, Genesee or SUNY Geneseo is going to be in control there uh, to some degree. Ithaca's in that conversation to some somewhat uh, what I, I just had teams hold on a second um but at large i think i think the east on the women's side could get one or two at larges i really do it's a strong year uh, i don't know if the suniac has the neac certainly doesn't um but st john fisher is 14 and 5 9 and 1 at least they're in position for an at large if if uh, sage or somebody else were to get the automatic bid rochester tech's in tremendous shape they'll get an at large i would assume unless they implode the rest of the way 15 and 3, 9 and 2 in conference. Uh, Ithaca and St. Lawrence are in decent shape, but they're probably going to have to win out. Geneseo, like I said, they're driving the ship at 17 and 2 right now, though I don't think anybody else in that conference will get an at large sniff. Uh, I don't think anybody in the NEAC, actually, I know nobody in the NEAC is going to get an at large sniff. And then you have Rochester in that mix, too. Um, a quick look at Rochester, who is 16 and 2, 6 and 1. So Rochester and Rochester Tech are probably in pretty good shape to get at large bids, along with Geneseo. If it came to that, uh, but we got to see some SOS numbers before we get much further. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about women's basketball with Randolph Macon's Carol LaHaye in the South region. Talk also about one of the players you probably aren't talking about, who may be one of the best women's basketball players in the country. And she's just a sophomore. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a division three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. 
having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I am so excited to be here. I am uh, Fred Richter, the women's basketball coach at DeSales University and a longtime member of the WBCA. Division I hope you're enjoying the show, and let's get back to engage in the other interests. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the, enjoying the show this evening. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of interaction on Facebook tonight. Really appreciate it, everybody. The simulcast there uh, the last couple of weeks we haven't. We also have some interaction on YouTube. Uh, appreciate that. And of course, emails as well. So lots of fun. Keep it up. Don't be strangers. Uh, so let's go switch gears into women's basketball. And by the way, thanks to the WBCA for their support as well. And close course, Coach Richter there for that audio. Um, in the ODAC, it's an interesting race right now. If you've looked at it, Lynchburg and Randolph-Macon are tied at 8-2 and two in conference. Lynchburg 16-3, Randolph-Macon 15-3. Guilford and Emory and Henry right behind them at 7-3 each. 13-4, and 14-5 respectively. And Virginia Wesley and Washington and Lee, Eastern Mennonite, Bridgewater all trying to make things are uh, all within three games of the lead. But Randolph-Macon's the reason we're talking about the ODAC this sh- right now because two reasons. One, they've got a coach who just eclipsed a pretty good milestone at 600. The second, she's got one of the best players in the country we're not talking about, and you know what? We should be. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's Miss 600. Carol Hay joins us on the show. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. Let's talk about this season first, and then we'll get to uh, your your phenom. Started with the season with a, a win over Marymount and then a loss to Juniata. I don't think we realized at the time just how good Juniata's season was going to be. Uh, then you went on a tear and, and had some good wins against some non-Division threes and Division three teams, uh, including Hopkins in overtime uh, on December 30th down in uh, – well, that wasn't in Florida. That was back home, was it not? Um, yes, that was in Ashland. That's right. And then, unfortunately, a conference snuck up on you, and Shenandoah and Eastern Mennonite gave you two losses. But since then, six-game winning streak, including, as we said, number 600. Uh, how do you think of the season first? Well, you know, going into the season, uh, we um, knew that we were a very young team, and um, the ODAC coaches had picked us uh, preseason pick number four. And so we were pretty happy with that ranking, uh, knowing that we had uh, – lost a few players, um, didn't return to our squad. And starting the season out young, we said, okay, well, four is respectable. Um, let's do the best we can to uphold that uh, goal and see what we can do. And started out the season very fine with that victory against Marymount and then a tough loss against Juniata. And like you said, I mean, you just, I can repeat them. <laughs> but um, starting starting with our ODAC play, I mean, the ODAC conference just keeps getting better every single year, and I'm so proud of uh, what each of the coaches have done to build their programs and to build the respect of the conference throughout the nation, and um, it's just a battle every single night. It didn't always used to be that way, but it sure yeah. is now. Yeah, the conference has definitely improved. Uh, I, mean, I think we saw, I guess I came to fruition maybe last year, 
uh, especially with NCAA tournament participation, uh, that things had improved quite a bit. And it's interesting, they did pick you guys fourth, and I remember talking to some, saying, listen, she's got a great one player, but it's whether the rest of the supporting staff can do anything to bolster this team. And it really looks like the supporting staff is the ones, and, and we'll get to the rest of that story in a minute, but the supporting staff has really stepped up this season. They sure have, um, and we talk about that on a daily basis because we're asking players to play out of position this year because we only have 10 players on our squad. And um, so, you know, we're a little shorthanded in a particular position, i.e. Uh, point guard position. But Kelsey Wisner has stepped up and commanded her team and, and done a super job of uh, ask, doing what we coaches are asking her to do and I just can't give her enough credit. And then, you know, her sub is a freshman from Pennsylvania, Elise Noblock, and she has had some serious minutes out on the court as well when Kelsey um, needs a, a little break. Uh, we should point out you're actually now at 6.02. And I'm curious. Well, we'll no, we'll come back to that. Um, this team, again, a lot of guards. You only have three forwards, Charlotte Wood at 5.10, uh, Liera, is it Schumat? It's it's Lyra Schumate. Schum- wow, I was off the whole way. I apologize. Lyra Schumate. Six foot forward. Nothing wrong with that, but it's Kelly Williams at that 6'3 position. I'm going to get to her in the next question, but my question outside of that is because of all the guard play, how do you relieve a player like a Kelly Williams or anybody else inside the pressure of just the defense collapsing? Is it all about making sure you hit outside shots or do you have other schemes? Well, certainly that's that's been um, the strategy for some coaches is let's pack it in on Kelly yeah. and Charlotte and um, let the rest of the team beat us. And, um, you know, fortunately they have been able to step up, um, you know, maybe not as consistently as what a coach would like every single game, <laughs> but um, they have certainly played their minutes and they've played their heart out on the defensive end. And um, I think they've taken pride in that and say and said to themselves, you know what, we're going to do all we can defensively because maybe we're not the best offensively. So I have to pride them in um, in that respect. Coach, I've known coaches that unless the players are giving 100%, it's not up to par. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not surprised by that comment. All right, let's talk about Kelly Williams. Um, uh, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. She's a beast. Uh, 25.4 points a game, 18.3 rebounds a game. If nobody knows this, Kelly leads all divisions, men and, 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 and women, in Division One, Two, and Three, all the NCAA in points and rebounds, and by the way, she's also blocking uh, something like four blocks a game. What yeah. she's she's incredible considering how many people knew she's good and still, as you say, pack it in. Well, certainly her height. Um, uh, six a, three it, helps. <laughs> it really does help, but um, you know Kelly's a blue collar worker. And um, she's a smart young woman, and she doesn't like to be beat, and <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't like people to ruffle her feathers too much. Okay. Uh, but she's but she's smart enough to figure that out. That that's probably how some players are going to try to beat her um, because they can't get to her height. Um, you know, she has a, a few little um, weaknesses that some teams have zeroed in on and taken advantage of, but. Um, you know, she just uh, fights right back and does what she needs to do. Uh, you know, just takes the ball to the basket, uh, gets the rebounds, does what she needs to do to help us be successful. She is scoring 
She's seven points a game more than last year. She's pulling in five rebounds a, a game more than last year. She had 23 double-doubles last season. I think she's already at 20 this season, or am I, I might be off on that one. Uh, yeah, no, she's at I, six. I she has, 16. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, but how, I mean, listen, I know a freshman year can be a breakout, and I know we expect players to improve, but she's made a massive step forward this year. And how much is that? How much do you have to keep the, other, the rest of your team from not just sitting there going, hey, throw Kelly the ball and just watch? Well, sometimes that does happen. <laughs> I've seen it on other um, teams. <laughs> yes, um, we're we're content. <laughs> we're constantly saying to our team, "All right, you got to stand. You got to move. You can't just stand there once the ball goes inside and watch Kelly or Charlotte um, work their wonders." But yeah, um, Kelly. Well, certainly, I'm um, I'm sure playing more minutes this year mm-hmm. than she did last year helps with the statistics as well. But, I mean, she, she plays a good um, 38 to 40 minutes a game. Um, so, and she plays those minutes as hard as she can play. And uh, no wonder she's, she's improved or increased her stats, as you, as you mentioned. She averages 2.3 fouls a game. You're playing her nearly every minute of every game. She played 45 minutes against Hopkins in an overtime game and had one foul. The other trick to this is how does a player like Kelly – um, be able to play at the level she's playing without becoming a foul target, as it were? Well, she's smart, but um, sometimes we get after her because maybe her ball pressure isn't as intense as we wish oh, it to be. Okay. Um, we, we really tell her that um, she's a great defensive stopper, so you know she can kind of hang out in the key <laughs> and clean, clean up any of her teammates' um, um, missed assignments, but um, <laughs> you know, and 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 some teams do do that. They'll they'll pull yeah. their post players out and try to pull her out of the paint, uh-huh. and she doesn't go with them. So <laughs> I'm I'm a, very much of a ball pressure person, so I'm always on her. Kelly, get up on the ball, pressure the ball. <laughs> but she, I think she might be smarter than I am because she stays on the floor for those forty minutes without getting in foul trouble. That's pretty impressive, and I know it. It, it is probably made this season or the last couple of seasons a joy for you. The team is competitive now. You're at win six hundred, as we mentioned. You got it back against Lynchburg uh, in a seventy-one fifty-nine win. Um, I th- I'm just reading the notes here. Makes you the fifty-ninth coach in all of NCAA women's basketball to attain that milestone. Um, you are seventh in the nation when we started the season in total number of victories as a women's basketball coach in Division Three, 30th amongst all divisions, um, 17th in most victories in Division Three coach history. You, you've got to be pretty proud of your career, but what's great is it really feels like you're just kind of hitting your stride here. Well, I've had some outstanding assistant coaches that um, have put me in this position as much as anybody. And certainly all of the players that I've had the opportunity and blessed, been blessed to coach um, have done the majority of the work. So, you know, I'm the one that is seems to be getting all of the credit and certainly in the limelight. But I really need to give a lot of credit to those assistant coaches who have put up with me and, and certainly the players that have to deal with my idiosyncrasies and my <laughs> expectations and demands and, and all of that. But... I, I really have been blessed throughout my career uh, to be surrounded by the people that I've been surrounded by to help me be and accomplish what I've accomplished to date. 
Only one other uh, ODAC coach has ever achieved 600 wins. It was Roanoke's head coach, uh, Susan uh, Dunnigan. And then you're the fourth in the state of Virginia. There's some good names here. Debbie Ryan at Virginia. I think we all know her in women's basketball. Wendy Larry at Old Dominion. You're now one of the four in the Commonwealth. What does it mean? 36 years, you're averaging more than 16 wins in your career per season in a Division Three schedule, which doesn't get to rack up as many games as it does, in, especially the Division One level. What does it mean to be at Randolph-Macon for 36 years and to achieve such a milestone in terms of coaching? Well, thank you to Randolph-Macon College for <laughs> continuing to have the belief in me and, and sticking with me. Um, you know, when we first when I first started at Randolph-Macon, we were competing at Division Two, mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said all along, so, you know, I can say it publicly, nationally, you know, we had no business competing at Division Two, but our men were competing at Division Two at that time, so we had to follow suit. Sure. Um, but once the college made the decision to go Division Three across the board with all of our entire athletic program, our program took off. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm a great testimony. The women's basketball program is a great testimony for the support and resources given to the program. Um, you know, you can be successful if, if you have a work ethic and, and want to get out there and find the best players you can and all of that. But you know, you, I'll go back to your question in terms of uh, being in the same um, same status as Debbie Ryan, Wendy Larry, Susan Dunnigan. Susan Dunnigan was always a mentor of mine, and so I have a great deal of thanks for her as well. But I've certainly studied Debbie Ryan and Wendy Larry and many others, but... Um, you know, to be in that, I didn't know I was in that category until I saw it in the newspaper myself. So um, that was a big surprise and maybe a knock in the head, like, <laughs> wow, maybe maybe this is something. But Yeah, it's something, Coach. It is something. Trust yeah. me, yeah. Uh, some coaches don't even see 100 in their careers, so, you know, or 200. To get 600 is a whole other level. Uh, two final questions before we let you go. First, let's talk about the season. Uh, six games left before the playoffs. Three at home, three on the road. You'll be on the road at Virginia Wesleyan, then at home against Emory and Henry and and Bridgewater, then on the road against Guilford, at home against Lynchburg at home, and then on the road at Roanoke. Nothing brutal in terms of travel. I mean, I know Virginia Wesleyan is going to be a little bit of a haul uh, for you guys. Um, I guess going down to Guilford won't be easy either. But what are you you telling the team at this point in the season? Well, there is a lot of basketball left, even though that's six games. you know, those teams that we have left on our schedule are, are teams that we we are going to have to be well prepared for because, um, as we've already talked about, the ODAC has gotten much better. Mm-hmm. And I think my assistant coach said, you know, this year in the ODAC, you cannot play the records one single bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that's truly been the case, and I think all of us have recognized that, that you cannot play the records that uh, you have to show up and you have to be prepared to play and to go against those quality of, of players and, and the coaching staff that um, I think we have in the ODAC now. So we've got some, um, we've still got some coaching to do. Uh, yeah, I, I can suspect you do. And, and it's also about keeping them focused as the grind of the season is, is in full bore at this point. If no one's listened carefully or can't pick it up, I can still hear that down East Maine accent in your voice. <laughs> Uh, I know we've talked about you being a Maine Machias grad in the past. 
Uh, no, you can't hear a Maine accent in my voice. Uh, my voice was de- it was developed in Chicago before I got to down East Maine. Um, so that won't be given a dead giveaway. But I'm curious, any uh, when when you retire, because we know you will retire at some point, all coaches do, uh, any thoughts of returning to uh, the great state of Maine, or, or have you fallen in love with Virginia too much? Well, I certainly love Virginia, because um, I've lived more than half my yeah. life in Virginia. But... Um, much of my family lives uh, back in Maine, so I do have the opportunity to go back um, as often as I wish. My brothers still live there. My sisters still live there. Um, but I, I like warm weather. Um, that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons I moved south. Um, so you're a fan of global I, warming. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know about that. I kid. I kid. I know. Um, but I, I love Maine during the uh, during the summertime. Yes, beautiful. But, um, I probably would have to be a snow bunny or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I can understand that. <laughs> I can totally. Go, go someplace else. Uh, in Washington County, is the family, or are they spread out throughout the state? Uh, no, most of them are, um, well, I have family in Mount Desert Island. I have a oh, Chicago. that's a shame. And then um, <laughs> I, have a sister, I have a sister that lives in Waldboro and okay. a brother, brother that lives in Morrill, Maine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least the... At least the ones on MDI. That's a beautiful place to visit. Nothing, yes. nothing wrong with that. Well, Coach, thanks for taking the time and talking about Kelly Williams and yourself. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Uh, let's just keep having some good basketball. Well, that makes sense to me, Coach. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks for taking the time. And by the way, enjoy the next two and a half seasons of Kelly Williams. That it just She's amazing. We look forward to maybe getting her on the show sometime in the future. Okay, sounds good to us. All right, Coach, take care. Thank you. Carol Hay joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, again, watch Kelly play. Uh, I, mean, I don't know what – I'm not going to tell you what you're going to see, except that she's prolific. She's a good rebounder. She's going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about her. I don't. I wouldn't dare say she reminds me of a Ronda Joe Miller, 6'2 at Gallaudet back in the 90s, uh, because I don't think they're the same player at all. I don't know what she reminds me of, but she's a pretty darn good player, and her stats just blow me away. Talking to the uh, assistant commissioner of the ODAC earlier today, J.J. Nekoloff, good friend, and uh, he was rattling off some numbers to me that just had my mind blown. But congrats, Austin, Coach LaHaye, 600. That is no slouching number, 602 to be exact. Congratulations to her, and good luck to the program as they move forward. I'll take another break. When we come back, we'll jump back up into New England. We'll talk to Smith and talk to uh, the women's program there. Obviously, it's a women's-only college. We'll talk to the Pioneers. We're starting our interviews with the Pioneer Squad. We're ending with a Pioneer Squad. you listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. 
No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We say that often. We're working on a new saying to come back from breaks, and we've, we've been improving, but we'll get there. Maybe there can be a sponsor out there who can sponsor the show, and then we'll have a reason to spend, say their name instead. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. If you've got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, and join us on Facebook at Facebook.com. I want to thank everybody who's been tuning in, whether I can see you like uh, Luke Stancic or Bill Riley or... Or Raleigh or JJ Nekoloff, Scott Musa, thank you. I also know I got a couple text messages from individuals. Appreciate your support of the show and us, and hope you're enjoying it. We're going to jump up and stay with women's basketball, this time moving up into the Northeast region and into the state of, I'm pretty sure it's Massachusetts. I, I sometimes like to guess at these things just to see if I'm right. Um, if you're not paying attention to the new Mac women's race, uh, you're, you're, you're screwy. Uh, Springfield and Babson are 9-2 and two in the conference, and a half game back of them is Smith. We haven't talked a lot about Smith. They've been kind of that lurking team that maybe sometimes we should be talking to or we just miss out the opportunity. Back in 2012-2013, they were 23-5 and five and made a tremendous run in the NCAA tournament. Then they were 18-12. and 12. Then they kind of fell behind the radar, below 500 for a while. And then last year, 18-9, and nine, and now they're 15-4. and four. In the thick of the new Mac race, and certainly keeping people honest, Lynn Hersey is the head coach of the team, and no surprise, in my opinion, that she's got this team clicking. Join us on the City of Hoopsville Hotline. It is the aforementioned Coach Hersey. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hi, Dave. Thanks for uh, for having me tonight. Uh, absolutely. As I always say, it, it, the show is the coaches who join us, and I appreciate you doing that. Um yeah, I mean, you guys have been kind of up and down the roller coaster, as it were. Um, thanks to your memory, we had you back on 2013 when you guys made the, the nice run into the NCAA tournament at 23-5 and five and certainly playing pretty well. Hasn't, you know, had decent seasons since then. We've re recovered. But what's different about this season than the last few? Yeah, um, well, I, I think we're, we're an experienced team now. I think the last couple of years we've been working hard to – you know, get the right people um, on our roster and, you know, certainly be able to um, compete the way we want to compete in the new Mac and across New England. And, um, you know, I think, I think the difference really in this year is that we have a veteran group. We have four seniors who have, um, you know, played a lot of game minutes and we have a really strong junior class as well. We have seven on our roster who are juniors. So, 
Um, with that recipe, hopefully you're winning some games. Yes, hopefully you are <laughs> winning some games. That's a good way of yeah. putting it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a slam dunk of putting it in, in reality. Uh, I do hope you're winning some games with that recipe. Uh, the new Mac race in the last few years has certainly gotten more interesting. What finally got me to go, okay, listen, I got to go talk to the Pioneers, was the win over MIT. Um, and we didn't even mention MIT when I was mentioning the, <laughs> the rankings, by the way. Uh, MIT is now behind you uh, by a, a game and a half in WPI sandwiched in between. And the reason I bring that up is I've talked to some people like, listen, MIT's got a really special team. They, they're playing well. But everybody seems to be playing well this season in the, in the conference, including yourselves. Wins like that went over MIT and others. Is that helping build confidence with this team? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, MIT is is a very well-built team. They have great coaching. They have um, really skilled players who play their roles extremely well. Um, so that, you know, that team is, is certainly a, a team you have to really game plan for and be prepared for. Um, there are some other teams in the New Mac who are also very tough to play. Uh, obviously, Babson with their tradition of uh, of winning in our conference and doing well in the NCAA tournament and um, WPI the last couple of years have had really strong seasons and of course you know Springfield just uh, is pretty steady as a top team in our in our conference so yeah it's there's a lot of parity um, in our in our league and you know especially this year and I think um, you know our our veteran group I think I think the difference really is that you know we're kind of chasing a title this year and. That is our mindset, and our team believes in it. Um, our coaches are, you know, working hard for it, and that's, you know, I think a lot of a lot of what it, uh, makes a special season is kind of your approach to it and what you set, what standards you set for yourself um, as you move along. And you know, I, I, I applaud our players because this is, you know, a lot of player-driven mm-hmm. um, energy and a lot of player-driven maturity at this point. So. We'll, we'll, we still have a lot of basketball to go, and we'll see where we end up. But, um, you know, I, I think the wins have given us confidence, and, you know, I think we have a, a, a nice streak going right now, and, you know, we're just trying to take it one game at a time and build upon the last time we played. The one interesting thing I saw was you get your your losses in bunches. Uh, you lost to Williams <laughs> on November 26th uh, on the road and then followed up with the MIT loss. Um, both of them relatively close, 11-point loss to Williams and a three. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, MIT was 17 points. I can't do math yeah. today. Um, but it was two games back-to-back in three days. And then the other one was at NYU on the 30th of December, followed by at Emerson on the 6th of January. Um, yeah. Both of those were relatively close. So you get these losses in bunches. Um, and you got past Babson in overtime after that at Emerson loss. Is there something to that? Is that something as a coach you look at and go, huh, you know, A, we got to avoid the loss just because it might open a door to something. And B, we got to figure out how to get out of that that doorway as a, in a way if we do suffer another loss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think when you when you um, whenever you lose a game, it's it's about learning about your team and learning, you know, the areas that need improvement and um, kind of refocusing the group and and uh, you know challenging your veterans to step up a little bit more. Um, you know, I think early in the season, you know, we played two really good teams early, and on those two days, I mean, they were better than us. And, you know, I think that's why there's a, a body of work that goes into a 25-game season. And early in the season, you know, we, we lost MIT. Later in the season, we beat them. I mean, it's, part of that is, 
the journey that you take and the growth that you have. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, how you finish up is a big part of, you know, the, the, the losses that you have and what you learn from them. Um, so, you know, we're, we hopefully will not have any more back-to-back losses or <laughs> um, hopefully no more losses at all. But, yeah. um, you know, if, if that were to happen, if there was a loss in there, I mean, we would treat it just like we do every game that we win, you know, finding the things we need to get better at and, and uh, you know, reviewing the things we're really good at and staying really positive with, you know, what, what we can do to maintain tempo and control uh, the flow of the game. Um, when you look at what's coming up the rest of the way, we'll talk about the team in a moment, but I want to, just since we're talking about the schedule, uh, you're on a seven-game winning streak since that back-to-back loss with wins over, you know, again, Babson and, and teams we've mentioned that are in the conversation here, Babson and Springfield. You've got wins over them, uh, which is good because you basically ended up sweeping both those programs, which is huge if you're going to stay in this conversation and, and possibly – take the regular season crown you've got at you got wpi emerson coast guard wheaton mount holyoke and clark ahead of you i know the goal is to keep winning and keep pushing forward but what do you got to tell the team to keep them focused and what we've already discussed is one of the tougher parts of the season you feel like you're in a grind right now yeah uh you know we we embrace the grind i think that's part of it um i don't, i've just been so impressed with this team they have such great energy um, their maturity and their experience is really showing in these moments um, down the stretch. And, you know, that's what we've kind of been building upon over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, they're in the gym a lot. They're, they're getting individuals, even though classes have started back up. And, you know, I think, I think what we're telling the team right now is that we have to rely on our individuals to continue to grow their games so that we can maximize our collectiveness as a, as a team. Um, and I think, at this point, it's, you know, it's important that, you know, each player is playing up and that's, you know, that's what we ask them to do. And, um, you know, I think they're pretty, like I said before, their, their mindset is to try to, you know, finish this uh, regular season um, in a really good position and to head into playoffs and then to make that playoff run, which we all know is different than a regular season run. So, you know, it, it's, it's stages, and I think, you know, the stage is the one game ahead of us, and, you know, you control what you can control, which is your effort and how you prepare yourself. And the conference, as you said, has got more parity, and you certainly got a battle here. But as you talked about, you've got some experience on this team. Let's talk about the leaders. Uh, at least your leader in scoring points also has a leader in how many letters are in her name. Holy cow. Kennedy guess Bridget. <laughs> Uh, if nearly 16 points a game, 10 and a half rebounds a game, a double double, which is certainly nothing to slouch at. 65% shooter from the floor. Um, not too bad. Lauren Bondi, second on the team at 13, really 14 points a game and three assists a game to go along with Paige Marquez at three assists a game and nine points a game. Uh, not to mention, you know, we'll also mention Samantha Alakai and Amanda Bariscale at six plus points a game. Obviously, those top three are kind of the nucleus of everything that the offense runs through, but I have a feeling that doesn't tell us the whole story. <laughs> well, I, you know, we have, uh, I, we have a very good post by our Kennedy has been a, a real contributor um, since day one when she, she arrived at Smith. And um, what's, what's been really good for our team to, to, to understand and kind of rally around is, is the fact that, you know, a lot of teams try to take away Kennedy. 
Um, and the different game plans that they throw at her really leaves other players available to step up in their roles and, and contribute in a, in a successful manner. Um, and I think our team is doing that really well this year. Uh, we have some great three-point shooters. We have two point guards who are interchangeable. Um, we have a, you know, a good open court transition guard and page. And, uh, of course, Lauren Bondi and, and Megan Holling kind of sharing the point and also sharing the two spot and, and being able to create for others and, you know, create for themselves. And, um, it, it, and to finish out the senior group, Amanda, um, Beresko, who's our kind of our, our glue on the defensive end, just a really physical post player who, you know, can, can defend really well around the rim and get us rebounds and just ups our physicality as a team. Um, and then certainly Sam Alakai, who's, who's coming back from an ACL tear, uh, from last year and, mm-hmm. and has, you know, had to, had to work, uh, to get her rhythm back in the first semester, but is, is really playing really well right now. Um, and she stretches the court as like a stretch four. So, you know, we, we have a lot of pieces and, you know, in different games, we've had different players step up and provide big veteran minutes. And, you know, I think, um, that speaks to the, you know, the wins that you've mentioned over some of our, really strong new Mac opponents and um, you know, we're, we're, we have a, a great nucleus to continue to work, work toward. Uh, yeah. You're deep too. Uh, you've got 11 players who played in at least three quarters of the games uh, so far this season. And in all of them, I think most of them have played at least a quarter of a game on average. So you're willing to go deep in the bench. That's a, there's a lot of here that tells me this is a team that can, that can do some damage the problem is you're in the Northeast, and as creative as they want to be with an NCAA tournament bracket, should you make it, you're going to run into some behemoths. How do you think you shape up with the rest of the Northeast? Well, you know, it's it's until you're in the moment and actually playing the game, it's, sure. it's hard to yeah. hard to speculate. But um, you know, I think I think that based on our pra- our past history, when we were able to go to the NCAA tournament and had that opportunity. Um, you know, it was a fun experience for us, and it was one yeah. that I think we learned a lot from. Um, and I think our, our new MAC conference this year in particular is, is, you know, is pretty tough. So it should prepare whoever the eventual winner is uh, to, to go up and, and compete. Um, but we do play some NESCACs. I think that's really important. Um, we obviously scheduled NYU as a UAA, and, mm-hmm. you know, the non-conference schedule is really um, a, a critical part for us and trying to see who we can, who we, you know, compare ourselves to and what gauge we have for ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I would say this, we will work hard to, to compete with anybody we play against, um, you know, when we, when we earn the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I, I obviously uh, I'm Team Smith on that all the way. Sure. We should point out, when you were in the NCAA tournament in 2013, you knocked off the behemoth at the time, Southern Maine, handed them their second loss of the season at their place uh, before, unfortunately, losing to Ithaca in the second round. You certainly stood tall. Granted, nobody's there uh, on your team currently except for yourself uh, and maybe some other assistants from that experience. But it's not like this is a program that is new to this to some degree. You can fall back on some experiences. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time and talking about your team. Uh, it's it, 
great little run here since that double loss. I know you're trying to avoid those, and obviously it's not over. You got a bit of a run left here in conference play alone, and there's still a lot more to play should you get past that with conference action, conference tournament action, and, and whatnot. So, but I appreciate you taking the time. Really great to have you back on the show. Been a little too long, and I'm glad we got a, got you on during the regular season. Um, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, um, well, the uh, the not having me on for a while is more more on my end than yours. So we'll we'll try to continue to <laughs> well, well okay to be, to be worthy of the call. <laughs> um, but you know, honestly, Dave, I just wanted to to give you a, a you know a, a huge thank you for kind of acknowledging the the world of B three um, to our student athletes and their dedication to their passions and all the different sports that you covered. And um, you know, this is certainly a, a special division with a lot of uh, very talented individuals and I just uh, I thank you for giving them a little bit of airtime and and letting uh, the viewers hear about their stories and their journeys so um, you know huge thanks to you well thanks coach appreciate the kind words good luck the rest of the season hopefully we'll be talking about you and the pioneers uh, down the road as well and uh, at least enjoy the grind which clearly you seem to do <laughs> <laughs> thanks I appreciate it absolutely take care Okay, bye-bye. It is Lynn, Lynn Hearsey uh, from the Smith Pioneers making the new Mac race interesting. It, listen, they swept Springfield and Babson, and they're a half game behind them. Smith's in the driver's seat here. That's awesome. To, that's great. To, I love that. The new Mac race also fascinating to talk about. So thanks to Smith coming on the show. Going to take another break when we come back. Top 25 double take. Ryan Scott will join me to talk about teams. He's had a little more time to research things than I have, uh, but we will discuss what we think of the top 25, and I got a couple questions from him from viewers. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope right after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. 
from eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And thanks to Cameron Hill from Trinity, Texas. Women's basketball for that little welcome back into the show. I want to thank the WBCA for putting those together. They're outstanding. We appreciate it. Uh, we don't get ads from the WBCA uh, like we do the NABC, so it's kind of a way for the WBCA to be recognized, and we thank them. Um, all right, so time for our top 25 double take. Lots of things to talk about here in the top 25, as there always are a lot of things to talk about. We even have questions from viewers that we will try and get to. Um, and I may even have a question at the end from our friend Sean that we'll get to. But let's get things going. Joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Well, apparently it's not working. That's a little weird. Well, Ryan's here. Trust me. I'm going to try and edit this real quick and figure out why. It doesn't want to work, so bear with me, Ryan. I know you're wondering. It, it was working a moment ago. Um, let me. Well, I'll go to Sean's question. He said, "Huh, Augustana lost. He's an Augustana fan. Uh, to Carroll on Saturday, the CCIW is really deep." Um, and what else did he say about that question? He said, uh, "So deep and tough. What do you think of the CCIW? Top five is looking pretty good." Here's where I'm getting a little tough on the CCIW, and Ryan's getting a little sneak peek of this, and he can probably give you an idea of what he thinks. I don't know if it's deep or if it's getting confusing. <laughs> um, I, I listen. I like um, what's going on in the CCIW in sense of, com of 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 competitive. That's fun, yes. But at the same time, I'm almost wondering if Augustana's kind of coming off the rails a little bit, um, and maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Um, there we go, Ryan. Hi, there you are. We'll get you into the system in a second. Um, and I don't mean that negatively to the CCIW. I think it's a good conference, but at the same time, shouldn't this, at some point, somebody's got to step over and everybody else. And that's what IWU is. Wheaton took a bad loss to Milliken. I think it was. Um, there's some other losses that just have me kind of scratching my head. I'm, I'm a little confused as to why they're struggling like they are. So I think when I look at these things, I want to ask more of the questions of why versus um, they're really good. Because I don't know how good that conference is right now. I'm almost a little worried it's not as good as I thought it was. Kind of like what I'm thinking about the WIAC. All that time just to waste to get Ryan on the show. He joins us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Ryan, your quick thoughts on the CCIW. Is it as good as we think it is? Or is it maybe... Average? Not average. That's a horrible way of saying it. Not as good as people want to claim it is. Well, my perspective right now is that it is just as talented as always, okay. but I'm not sure the teams are playing up to the level of talent the way we normally expect them to. Okay, that's a better way of saying it. I'll agree I with you on that. They could be, you know, there's probably five teams there that could beat anybody in the country on any given night. They're just not doing it consistently yet. Um, which, you know, is okay until you get to March. You know, that's sort of when you have to be on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, okay, you said it better than I. I guess there's a better way of saying it. I guess I expect there's more talent. I think the YX 
another example of that too and maybe the talent isn't rising as high as i thought or it's just so good across the board it's it, it's hard to rise to the top i think you're right there um that's a good way of putting it i thank you for maybe correcting where i was trying to say on that um top 25 double take uh, i memory serves I, I didn't get a chance to go back at the ballot that you posted online this week bravo to you um I, my gut tells me your ballot took a little bit of a beating. Uh, yeah, I mean, not not I mean, pretty much half the Wyack teams lost, and I was voting for a lot of them, so yes. that kind of uh, that's probably that kind of threw some some wrenches into the mix. <laughs> but uh, you know, my top four were the were were all fine, and yeah. and so it was just sort of reorganizing the middle a little bit, and and uh, finding a few more teams to bring on at the bottom. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Uh, I, the Wyack is definitely your uh, bugaboo, as it were, because you're you're riding them hard. I took the opposite approach this week. I dropped the Wyack teams. Um, my thinking being, okay, maybe they're not as good as I was hoping because they're going to beat the heck out of each other, and I don't need to be ranking them in my top ten. I ended up my highest team was Whitewater at twelve, and honestly, if you, you read my ballot, that really was more of a seventeen. And Platteville was next at 17. That's more of a 22. And then I, I dropped Oshkosh. I dropped River Falls. And I didn't vote for Stevens Point. I know you voted for Stevens Point, And you jumped them up high. Still comfortable with that vote? Uh, I am. Okay. Uh, I dropped them. I, you know, I finished my ballot for this week. And I dropped them down a couple of spots with the loss that they took. But I'm still pretty confident in the, in the teams there. Um, it, it was helpful. I had uh, three spots at the end of my ballot again this week, and I was looking at seven or eight teams for that. And, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of teams that you have real confidence in, even some teams with good records. So, um, you know, Stevens Point has a track record. They've won some good games. They've played a lot of tough competition. Uh, I, I'm willing to, to keep them sort of in the middle of the pack right now. Okay. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, if anybody saw my uh, message screen pop up, sorry, I had it on the wrong screen. I needed to move it out of the way. Um, all right, so let's start uh, going through it. We have deep dive, we have dubious, and we have debate. In deep dive and dubious, we both have a team that we think in deep dive, no one's voting for them. Maybe they should be considering it. And let's augment that and say in deep dive, um, not only maybe they're getting very few votes. I think it's going to get harder and harder, but it may be easier and easier. On the other side of that, the dubious is where we think, ooh, maybe they're a little too high on everybody's radar. And then the third one is debate, and that's just one. We don't we don't have each a debatable topic. So we'll start with deep dive, and we'll start with you, sir. I'll let you uh, set up your deep dive. So uh, I think they were getting some votes early in the season, but uh, I am uh, voting for this week Hobart again. Uh, I feel like that they've been putting together a pretty good run. Um, they've won, I think, nine or ten in a row now. They've been kind of bar- uh, busting through their conference and a lot of those games have been on the road and they've been performing really well so uh hobart is one they're not currently getting any votes but they will be this week that's a good choice i was going to go with one until they took a loss today <laughs> mine was gonna be emory <laughs> um i had emory fifth again really 10th on my ballot last week but then they lost today and they weren't close so i i, I dropped them um i guess and this one this one's going to sound a little bit strange because I think they are being voted for and they're being voted for well. It's just I think there's not enough respect, and it's St. John's. Um, I, I don't know if that's truly a deep dive because I, I think maybe I'm going a little bit on the extreme there, but they're really playing well, and I think they're they're proving what we've seen in the past is no longer the case. Sometimes they don't live up to the hype. They don't live up past the uh, spotlight. 
Um, in many cases, they have this year. They've done amazingly well. Um, and, I mean, they beat St. Thomas uh, was it last week by 15, I want to say. Um, they're in control of that Mayak right now. And let me just double-check where they are in the top 25. I knew they moved up, but it took a while for voters to get there, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, they are six last week. What would you say? They were six last week. So they were six last week. So they definitely moved up, but they were 12th the week before, and that's where my mentality yeah. was here. I've had them pretty high for a while. I know that's not a great deep-dive school, but that's one I've had on my mind going, I wonder where the voters are going. If there was one other... Uh, that I would jump on, and I won't go into them in detail because I want to save them for maybe another time, but that would be Maryville. I researched them this past mm -hmm. vote. They actually have a lot of good uh, games under their belt. They're playing pretty darn well. I don't know if anybody realizes that they're playing well in the South region. So just an, on, on everybody's radar for future conversation, Maryville is one that I've got now clearly on my radar. Um all right, let's jump to dubious. This one, we're, we're starting to feel like um, we're running into the same topic. Uh, who's, who's your dubious team, sir? And again, this well, is the one that is way too high in our opinion. People keep voting for the ones that I think are dubious, so they remain dubious. Right. We've already <laughs> talked about them. But uh, the one I'm sort of scratching my head on right now is Lycoming. Uh, I had them real high early in the season. I was one of those people that had them up in the preseason because I think they're really talented. They brought back almost everybody from last year. Uh, the style they play is tough to, to go against, but it doesn't feel like they're showing up every every game. Um, you know, their, their schedule is not as strong as it had looked originally. Their best win is by one point at home over Albright, which is, you know, Albright's fine, but they're not a, a great, great team. Um, and they took another loss this week. Uh, at Widener, which is not a game they should be losing if they're in the top 25. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I could easily jump back onto the Whitworth one because they, after we had that conversation, they moved up three spots to fourth. I would love to go back and go, really? Um, I'm going to go one that's going to be a little different, and I clearly can hear the CCIW chat room right now, nails across a chalkboard. I'm going to go with Augustana. Um I finally have gotten – I've had them at two for a while in early late December, early January. I knew they had lost Warford. I liked who they were doing, and I, and I appreciated what they were putting together, and I understood the teams were going to take losses. But they're, they're not the same team I saw in the early part of the season. I've had to come to grips with that even with myself. I've had to tell myself, Dave, reevaluate this team. They're 15-4. and four. They have lost three games, one, two, three, four, five, in their last eight, including the Carthage 81-78. They lost to Wheaton 86-81, and I think that Wheaton loss looks even worse now that Wheaton even came off unglued on Saturday. And they have that loss to Illinois Wesleyan 72-53 back on January 1st. I'm sorry, January 3rd. Yeah, I know I argued at one point that I thought Augustana was better than Illinois Wesleyan, but my argument was also to say they're darn close. I just have them in different weird places on my poll. I have, in, in a matter of weeks, dropped them from 2nd to 15th, and really that's 20th because I had this gap I had to fill in between 5 and 10. And Augustana right now is going to be lucky to hold on to the in, in the 2025 range, in my opinion. I'm not that convinced with what they're doing, and I'm not so sure that that Warford loss isn't killing them right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what's happening. We do have to remember they ended up in the championship game last year. That's ever, what I had having. to. Yeah, that's they the part I was holding on to. 
Um, they didn't have a great season last year. They're pretty good at peaking. They've got a pretty good coach there who knows, you know, his way around the playoffs. So I'm not going to entirely write them off yet, but I do think that, that that they're in trouble. And they've got Illinois Wesleyan coming into their building this week, so that'll be a big test. Yeah. Uh, if they lose that one, it, it's going to be hard to keep them to keep them up pretty high. Well, to be honest with you, at this point last year, they started going in the right direction. Yep. This is about that point in the season last year. They they put things together to make that run. Yeah, they weren't great last year. I absolutely admit that with you. They also went through mid-February, by the way, I forgot about this, losing three in a row and four of five. So maybe I've got my timing off here. But it was they woke up at the right time and made a great run. So maybe I'm – and I do remember them getting to the Final Four, and I remember them playing without Warford. Those are the things I did hold on to, and I think maybe some other voters are too. I know there's talk about maybe voters are holding on to the preseason vote. I don't know how voters vote. I don't ask voters how they vote. I don't ask how they historically vote. I don't sit there going, well, you have them fifth because I don't. And I can understand where the perception is there. My problem right now with Augustana is – they're not convincing me anymore they're great. Um, yes, Gray Giovanni can put a team together and they can go on a run and we could see him in Salem this year. I'm not denying that. It's just right now I'm not seeing it. And I know there's guys in the CCIW room, they're going, come on, two weeks ago I had a completely different opinion. Completely different opinion about Augustana. Now I have this opinion. And that's what this season has brought us. Yeah, and when you talk about you know a team that I'm not sure they're great, uh, I mean, if I'm looking at my ballot, maybe no more than five or six that I feel that way about. That's true. Um, I, actually, you know, I don't I've feel got, great about great at all. I don't use the word great anymore, period. Yeah. It, it's it's just a strange year, I think, that's going to make the tournament. I'm looking forward to it so much, uh, both yeah. the conference tournament week and then the, the NCAA tournament, because I think we're just going to see some some really surprising uh, results and and I think we'll have some maybe some unique teams for our our last year at Salem. Someone on the D three board said something about twenty five to thirty teams could have a legitimate chance of making a run to Salem depending on how the brackets come out. Absolutely correct. I mean there really could be a, an incredible amount of teams who could and we, we should not be surprised about who gets there and we shouldn't be surprised if teams deep in the twenty five top twenty five get there because it is that deep. Uh, I'm looking at my ballot. There's other teams I, I could be talking about. I mean, I've got some the craziest top 25 ballot right now because there's so many teams that are even right now. Speaking of which, hmm. let's move to debate. This one's been in my mind a little bit as I've been watching yeah. a lot of games of late. My top four are as follows. Whitman, WashU, Wittenberg, St. John's. I have spoken that Whitman is my number one, and if they were to lose, I'd probably even still keep them number one because I don't expect anybody to get through the season unscathed. However, Whitman's not blowing me away right now. There was somebody on the chat boards who's a huge Whitman fan, no surprise, who's like, they're better than last year. No, they're not. No. <laughs> they're not even – I'm sorry, they're not. They're still not right good. Now. They're still good. They're not better than last year. They're missing size inside, as you have pointed out. They've got some great pieces, but they're playing with fire. They were at, they were down at halftime. Was it Saturday night? Um, I can't remember. They were every game feels like roulette for them. I'm debating switching my number one vote. <laughs> Wash U is clicking on all cylinders right now. They just handled Emory today. Though Emory made a run and made it within 12 late in the game, it wasn't a close game. 
Wash U is scary good. They are loaded with seniors, and we know what Mark Edwards has done with seniors in the past. I know they have two losses, but that feels like decades ago now. I'm thinking about whether it's worth changing my number one vote. So, yeah, I mean, I think that the big debate, and this is a perfect example of this, is if you're picking one team to win one game in the country, I think you're going Wash U. Yeah. Right? They've got they've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of experience. They've got inside outside game. You know what? One game, I, I think you're completely justified for that. When you're talking six games across the tournament, you know I think that makes gives Whitman a little bit more of a case because you know their depth and they have a lot of interchangeable parts and they've got some good consistency there. And I think it's a great debate to have because it is two sort of different ways of approaching things that then two very different teams. Yeah, it's got me kind of just shaking my head. I was watching Wash U today and just thinking to myself, oh, they look better than Whitman right now. I, you know, and, and I really am tempted to do it. Yeah, there's a quirk here. Whitman's undefeated. Wash U's got two losses. That doesn't sound like a traditional switch of a vote. I'm tempted maybe to wait one more week. Wash U's got the rematch coming. This is that crazy back-to-back weekend that the UAA does where uh, Wash U this week went to Rochester and then um, and then uh, Emory next week. They'll have those two teams at home. Interesting, not swapped. They'll go in the same order, Rochester, then Emory. I think sometimes those have swapped, but I don't remember. So I almost am tempted. Maybe i got to give this one more week just in case Emory comes in with a little piss and vinegar. Uh, into St. Louis next week, uh, and and Parks Wash U and Chicago's uh, by the way got a win. Rochester might be pissed off too, so I might wait a week. But I'm just so people out there understand. I'm thinking about this. Wash U looks like the best team in the country right now. There are a, a number of teams I was looking at this week that I kind of want to wait a week on. Um, <laughs> That feels Just like because, me every week. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a little more experience. The one thing with Washu that I'm I'm a little concerned about. So both of the losses at Mount St. Joe versus Augustana, uh, the opponents shot the lights out, which you know is it happens from time to time, and you take losses. But Washu didn't stay with them when they were shooting the lights out. You know that was 15 and 18 point losses. Yeah. And uh, to to me, that gives me a little bit of a question about, you know, they get a really good team and they get punched in the mouth. Are they going to respond? Um, mm. You know, you're losing to a team that's shooting the lights out. I, I'm kind of hoping for a single digit loss there. You can st- stay with them and keep up. And that's the only part. Obviously, we're, we're pulling at little tiny strings here because this is a really solid team. And I think anybody in the country would be terrified to play them. So Well, I mean, Ohio Wesleyan took Whitman to the end. They played incredibly well in the first half and shot the lights out of the building. Did not shoot the lights out of the building in the second half, and Whitman still barely won that game. If Ohio Wesleyan handles the last 30 seconds just a smidge better, and I literally mean a smidge better, they probably win that game. That's why I think Whitman's on a tightrope here, and I'm a little yeah. nervous. That being said, they also have one of the craziest defenses out there. And Butler is having an incredible – Tim Howell who? Um, yeah. Butler is, in my opinion, the, the half the reason that Whitman's playing as well as they are this season. Uh, and, and Hewitt is playing well, and other guys are playing well. They lose Howell next year. They bring back two guys they didn't have this year. They're going to be scary good next year. Whitworth's going to be scary good next year. 
all these teams we're talking about are going to be scary good next year. But right now, WashU's got that senior group who a couple years ago I wasn't all that bought in on playing really well, scarily well. If I were to and, see WashU Whitman, ah, I got to go WashU. Well, yeah, and that's the interesting matchup because Whitman is precisely the kind of team that they've lost to this year. Yeah, that's um, true. It's true. So it, it really will depend in, and you know, it depends on how teams lock in. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't think Whitman was as good as they played in those three games, you know, at Marietta and then Rochester and then Babson that they lost in, in the final four. Yeah. Like that stretch of three games was one of the best locked in performances I have, I have ever seen. I agree. You with know, you. And, and that team didn't look like that the weekend before they were good, but they weren't that good. And so you just never know what's going to happen when it comes to March. Fair point. And, and they also in every game will ride a wave. They every Rochester came back on them. And we saw obviously Babson came back on them. That that's just the nature of their game, and I've got to keep that in mind too. They are not the type of team that puts their foot down in the opening minute and then walks away with the game. They're they're going to kind of ebb and flow. So anyway, so a good debate. I'm not sure I'm going to pull the trigger. I might wait, like I said, one more week just to see how things go. Um, but it's on my mind. It's something I think maybe others have on their mind too. For all I know. All right, let me get to a couple questions. I got some for viewers, if you don't mind. Sure. And we get some good ones every once in a while. Um, all right, so it's a little dated, so the, the I need to double-check the record on this one because I, I know it's off. It's a team, interestingly enough, that I think you're voting for. So this will be pretty appropriate. It is a buy or sell, all right? And okay. Just calling them up so I have the right record. All right, buy or sell. Plattsburgh State, currently 14-4, and 12-1 in SUNYAC play. Do they have what it takes to win the league, Says asks Frankie in Albany. Uh, I think as of now they do. I don't know that I would have said that early in the season, but they've pulled it together. And I am, I am voting for Plattsburgh. I got them number 24 this week. Um, I feel like I know the Suniac is probably down this year, but they have, yeah. they have won, uh, every conference game since December. Um, you know, they've won two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven in a row now. Um, and they're winning them, you know, in good fashion, pretty soundly. Um, they, they played a pretty tough schedule. They took some losses early, but they're playing well now. And, and I think they, they can definitely win that league, especially with Cortland not playing all that great. Uh, and I think Brockport is good, but but not quite as deep as maybe they need to be. So, yeah, Plattsburgh, I'm buying. Yeah, I'm going to buy that they win the league. I'm not going to buy into them. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, sure. I know you're buying a little more by at least uh, taking them on the vote. Uh, in the top 25. But my concern with Plattsburgh is, yeah, I don't think the league's as strong as we've seen in the past. Great, they're 14-4, and four, and I realize those first four losses came in the first seven games of the season, uh, but they got smoked by Middlebury. Um, Skidmore handled them pretty well, though Skidmore is polar opposite now what they were prior. If anyone has not followed Skidmore, they have hit the skids. They have lost five in a row, six of seven, and let's see, eight of their last 11. I, I, I haven't even dared ask what's going on. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think they can win. They do have a, a rematch coming with Cortland that I think will be interesting, and Cortland might wake up. According to our system, they're playing that at 3 a.m. in the morning. Pretty sure they're not. <laughs> Somebody um, answered that wrong. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be an interesting game. Um, anyway, yeah, I'll buy Cardinals to win the Suniac, but I'm not buying into them for the season just yet. 
All right. Hey, Dave and Ryan, who will be the last undefeated women's basketball team standing? Now, when I got this, Bowden was still in the conversation. So the question was Amherst, Wartburg, Hope, or Bowden, and Amherst and Bowden were playing each other. And Hope is now lost to trying. So it's really down to Amherst and Wartburg. Who you got on this one, sir? Uh, I'm going Wartburg. <laughs> so am I, I darn it. I, I got, well, I mean, Amherst is going to have a tougher, they're going to see Bowden again. Um, or Tufts. Well, yeah, and Tufts again. But uh, Well, they're, they're only have... one of them because they'll play them in conference, in tournaments. So they're only going to see one of them before the NCAA tournament. They're not going to see both of them. Well, no, that's true. They might yeah, end up they, seeing both of them, couldn't they? They could get both. Yeah. Uh, I think Wartburg's got a slightly easier easier run there, and I'm also a little biased. I got to cover them and do the, the story when they went to the Final Four a couple years back, and it's the same group of kids, and I'm just really impressed with them, and so I'll I'll uh, let let my personal biases throw me there to make a good choice. <laughs> I'll take I think Warburg they're also for, pretty darn good. Yeah, I'll take Wartburg for the same reasons you are. That's a really good group of basketball players. They're playing really well. I don't know if the IAC can necessarily trip them up. If they do, it's because they fell asleep at the wheel. Um, Amherst, I think the Bowden game show that Amherst is going to be tested in this new, in this NESCAC. If they get Bowden again or if they get Tufts again or if they get both, I don't think they can win both. Um, if both were to enter the NCAA tournament, I think Amherst is going to have the tougher run to get to the Final Four, depending on what the committee does, than Wartburg would. I know that's crazy because Wartburg might have to run through Illinois Wesleyan or a WIAC team or something, but I think Amherst is going to have to run into a Tufts, a Bowden, even a Smith or somebody like that before they even get close to the Final Four or into danger. So I like Amherst. They, don't, they aren't that offensively minded anymore. They're more defensively minded, and if they get into a team that – can hit some shots and maybe give their defense a little bit of heck. I don't know if they can necessarily shoot themselves out of it. This isn't the same team we saw four years ago, was it? That smoked WPI on like a 50 to 0 run because their defense was so good and they couldn't be stopped offensively. They don't necessarily blow me away offensively. And I don't know why, but that's why I think Amherst is more of a risk here. Yeah. I just, I don't think they're quite as dominant as they have been the last couple of years. It's not that they're not a good team and obviously they're number one for a reason, but I think this might be more of a year where there isn't a, a clear favorite going into the tournament and they're kind of there because they're, they're Amherst and they're, what are they on a 50, 52 win streak or something, something like that? Insane. Yeah. I know some people there have been thinking about switching number one votes though. Granted, one of them was to Bowden and, and Bowden lost, but I think Bowden stood tall in that game. Um, yeah, I've got. Unfortunately, the question had two losses by the time we got to it. But um, I, I like Wartburg over Amherst uh, as the last one standing, as it were, as well. Thought and I a, wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if they're playing each other undefeated at some point either. So, most likely in in that would be Minnesota this year. They're in Rochester, Minnesota this year. Most likely there, but I'd agree with that. Uh, Jay, by the way, asked, and I forgot to get back to this. How far do you think Lycoming falls with that loss to Widener? <laughs> who knows <laughs> let me take a guess let me yeah. look at it we well at i here? gave him one vote by accident and the reason if anybody read the blog was because i accidentally left john carroll off my ballot um i apparently lost track of john carroll i have a system where i check mark teams and john carroll clearly does not have a check mark next to their name um and i was looking for a 25th and i said fine you're still winning games i'll give it to lyco um otherwise they wouldn't have had that vote so uh, this they're the already. They're real already, quick, I think this is a barometer week for the top twenty-five group. I think there's a lot of results yep. out there that will make some teams look different to people, and we'll see. I think where were they, Ryan? They were ninth. They were thirty 
points ahead of Middlebury and Swarthmore, neither of whom lost this week. So I'm going to say they dropped those two spots, maybe one more to MIT, although that's that's 110 points, so that might be difficult. But I I think that's it, maybe two or three spots. 25 voters who would be dropping four spots each if they were to pass MIT. I think that's definitely possible. Um, yeah. I think they fall down near 20. I think the yeah. voters quote-unquote wake up and i don't mean that negatively but i think maybe some voters finally realize wait what am i voting for here um but we've been dead wrong before i don't know who's getting those points that's the only question yeah i agree i know that's the hard part illinois wesleyan and oshkosh will probably go up but um and marietta but i don't emory's gonna fall so yeah that's a good point wesleyan's gonna probably fall well, I don't know how far Emory will fall losing to Wash U. I don't think. Yeah, that's... I just mean though that there's going to be shifts. I, I personally don't think that should be a loss. I have Emory at five, and I don't know if I'll. I don't know where I'll move them. I might. I, I was surprised it wasn't closer. That would be a reason I'd move them down, and that I understand. Voters who just move yep. them because they lost a game, but I thought it would be closer, and maybe I have Emory too high. That'd be the only thing. But I have Lyco twenty-five. They're not going to stay at twenty-five. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but we'll see. Was there anything else? I'm trying to. I thought there was something else I was going to ask you, or you had on the radar, but I don't. I don't Did see. Did you the get f- all the questions from Thursday night? I know you saved a couple. Although I just asked them. Yep, those were part of okay. them. Uh, oh, we're going to ask about Sol Ross. That oh, that's it. The- yeah. So you uh, you voted for Sol Ross last week, sir, and of course they rewarded you with that with a loss. So I watched that game. <laughs> yeah, I know. They were playing on the road. It's a long road trip. Um, I think Anything for Saul Ross is a long road trip, just for the record. <laughs> Concordia is a very good team. Um, I thought Saul Ross was the better team watching the game, but they certainly got a little sloppy the last minute or two. They couldn't hold the lead, and, and they lost by a couple points. Um, I still think they're strong. I, I you know, still considered voting for them still because I, I um, was intrigued by who they had on, on the floor. They got a, a great guard. Who's six three, and they got a big guy at six seven who's big and can move a little bit. So if they do manage to get out of Texas, it come tournament time, I, I think uh, that could be a, that could be a troubling matchup. Still, kind of reminds me of Mary Harden Baylor. Once you got a team out of Texas, uh, they end up being pretty dangerous. Uh, Andrew asks, "How about the girls? Do you think Hope girls will go down? Hope versus Trine was a good girls game. And by the way, let's call them women. Uh, I'm just gonna state that now." They're in college. Uh, they're all adults. Um, that's not a negative. I'm just trying to, you know, give them a little, little bit. Proper little... nomenclature. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Girls are high school. Women for college. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Hope goes down that far on the ballot uh, on the top 25. They're sitting at third. That was their first loss of the season. It's a question of whether teams or voters think they're still better than Thomas Moore or Bowden, Thomas Moore, Whitman. And, and well, Rochester took their second loss in DePaul. I think DePaul is too low at nine, to be blunt. Um, I think Bowden may even move up into third. Thomas Moore, I think, will will move up. I, I think Hope goes down at two or three spots at the most. Uh, Trine should jump up, uh, though they may still be behind Hope, so no one get upset. They still have two losses, and that game was close. But that's my thought on the on the women's side of things. There. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of points separating yeah. those top few teams. Yeah. It's going to take a lot for them to drop. And like you said, Bowden, Bowden's probably going to earn more points, especially from Hope, given how well they performed against Amherst. Um, 
And yeah, with Rochester losing, uh, I don't think they drop to lower than six at the most. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm quickly checking to see if we got messages elsewhere. I don't really see any, so I think that would probably be a a good sign off, as it were. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So, any final thoughts before you finish putting your top twenty-five together, sir? Um, no. Other than you know, I feel like it. it we've got some interesting results uh, this past week, and there's some great games coming up this week that I think will tell us a lot. Yeah. Um, there are a number of teams that maybe took some losses early that I think with some good performances this week can sort of work their way back in. Um, I'm, I'm, there were a lot of teams I looked at this week where I just said, you know, one more. want to give them one more week. <laughs> um, but I think it'll be a lot harder to put a ballot together next week than it was this week. Which, uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I haven't gone through the data yet to figure out how my teams did. I know most of them did well. It's the middle and bottom again that, that – is taking the hit, and that makes it really complicated. There were a lot of eraser marks on mine from last week. I'm sure there'll be a lot more eraser marks on mine this week. Um, there's great races, but that doesn't mean it makes for an easy top 25 voting. So, thanks so much, sir. Appreciate it. Will we? Uh, we'll see you on Thursday for the marathon, correct? Uh, yeah, I should be there. Awesome. We'll see him in studio. I got to rearrange some things, but that's a good reason to have. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. See you. Take care. Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do that. He's off to go to the Grammys, and I'm going to sign off because I've been alone under the weather, but getting through this, I'm sure I will crash here momentarily. Appreciate all you asking questions tonight. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, thanks to all our guests for coming on. Jeff Gard from uh, Wisconsin Platteville, James Mooney from Mount St. Vincent, Randolph Macon. Uh, of course, that was women's coach Carol LaHaye and Lynn, and Lynn Hearsey from Smith and, of course, Ryan Scott. I want to thank all the sports information directors out there from Platteville, Mount St. Vincent, Randolph, Macon, and Smith for helping us out, plus all those who help us out on a daily basis uh, and on a weekly basis as well. Appreciate them taking the time. Uh, reminder, on Sunday, we will be – or Thursday. Thursday is the Hoopsville Marathon Show, um, barring this weird thing that's bothering me. Uh, we will be on the air 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We're still working on guests. We're a little bit behind. We're going to make a big rush on it and get it all taken care of here in the coming days. So look for that to be posted soon. And stick with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. For more on the show, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. is the plan. Um, and then next Sunday, we will not be on the air. We will be on the air Monday, February 5th. We have usually done a show the day of Super Bowl Sunday. Just not going to do that this year. Going to save ourselves a hassle. It's a little bit more problematic to get guests, especially when we have to spend all of Thursday and half of Friday still working on the marathon. Yes, we still have work to do per that show on Friday morning. Um, so we will do the show Monday afternoon, 2 o'clock Eastern is what the tentative schedule is. Stick with us, and then uh, the rest of the way is the normal. If you got any questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. We look forward to those questions and hope you'll interact. Thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. You've been watching Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to all our guests for being on. Thank you for interacting. And thanks to the National Association of Basketball Coaches, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and D3Hoops.com, along with the City of Salem, for their support of this show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This show is copyrighted, and without the express written consent of me, uh, please don't reuse it. Please contact us. We'd be happy to at least give you permission. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you for the marathon Thursday, starting at 10 a.m. Good night, everybody.